Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Uh, and I'll, I'll look, uh, maybe send her a message here. 
but anyway, so we're going to be talking about the reality of the post office and how things have really been going and things you haven't heard on, uh, you know, any media, liberal or conservative otherwise, uh, that you haven't heard uh, from that. So hopefully we'll be able to get her, her in and her experience uh, in the post office. And, of course, we're also going to talk about Kamala's China ties. So it's not only Biden who has ties with China, but we also uh, have uh, where she has the ties uh, with China herself. And, of course, we're going to talk about the hit piece by the so-called journalist, I won't even mention his name, uh, trying to split Trump from one of his uh, staunch supporters, and of course that is veterans and people in the military, by stating that you know, he said all people who died were losers. We got an article on that. We'll be talking about all those things and more, of course, here on Bard's Logic. If you like to chime in, uh, just push the one on the number dial. And we'll get you in the show. We'll see if we get as many trolls as we did last time. Uh, so we'll uh, see on that. Because <laughs> last week we did. Remember, uh, and if you haven't gone to the archive, just definitely uh, check that out uh, last week. It was, it was kind of interesting. You know, I mean, I kind of, you know, let, you know, but they sounded serious at first, but of course then they, you know, did their, their what trolls do. Uh, but the fact of that is, really, is that, you know, we, hopefully they'll hear us, you know, one day and, you know, while they're trolling and maybe they'll think, hey, these, these people, you know, they're, they're not as bad as we think. But uh, let's go ahead and I believe we've got our um, our guest on. So let's see if we've got uh, Angie on the line. Uh, thank you very much, Angie, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hi, I'm great. Can you hear me? I can hear you great. I, we got uh, David also and uh, our good friend uh, Joseph on the line as well, but since you're our guest, we do get our guests in first. They may have some comments or questions, and uh, you know, I didn't set up any such interview questions or anything like sometimes I do here. But just when we were talking uh-huh. earlier today, you've if you basically just repeat everything that you told me in our conversation today, I think our audience will find it absolutely fascinating and very informative uh, what you said uh, you know what you said today so no, nothing no questions scripted here just you just told us a lot of inf- and you know about your experience at the post office and so that I think that'd be a great place to start okay so my husband and I have we were posted my husband is a, a marine a veteran marine and so I my last position there I was uh, a postmaster relief and before that, I was a letter carrier, uh, briefly, and um, I've held lots of jobs, in, including um, a, a procurement manager for the Department of Defense, MAFC, under um, President uh, George Herbert Walker Bush. And so I've, I've got a lot of experience under my belt, but the last being postmaster. So what I've learned about the post office is that um, it is a great uh, patriotic American institution. Uh, The post office has been one of the most um, progressively uh, conservative um, entities that employed a lot of our veterans. So when uh, someone leaves out of the military, they get a 10-point preference on the postal exam Um, and so the post office hires a lot of veterans right away. Um, What I've learned is that the 
the uh, UPS, uh, DHL, and other packaged places uh, like Amazon, they signed an agreement with the post office, right? So at a certain time of the day, UPS brings their boxes over to the post office, and then the mail carrier has to deliver them. Well, this really doesn't make any sense because why can't uh, UPS deliver their own boxes, right? Well, what this does is it it, uh, makes the mail count higher, but it slows down the service. And then um, back in Washington, D.C., the post office had always had a reserve. They were really um, good at making sure they had retirement reserve in the pot for when their veterans retire from uh, doing their letter carry service. Well, um, the the our, our fantastic um, Congress they have taken and borrowed from the postal reserves. That means that they have taken loans from the Office of Personnel Management for Social Security, everybody, the GSA, everybody started to take um, loans off the post office. And so then that left them dry. It was a very prosperous entity. However, when you get these uh, people into um, our legislature and into Washington, D.C., that are greedy and they want money, 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 they started to bleed the post office dry, okay? This was a functioning. So, and on top of that, uh, we had the introduction of the uh, Internet revolution, the emails. So that took from it also. And then on top of that, you've got these silly agreements with outside vendors like the uh, UPS. And, I, I mean, they're good companies, UPS and DHL and other people, but, why are they dumping their packages off at the post office? So then that makes the post office um, look very um, dysfunctional. And so what they're doing now is trying to pass a problem that they are responsible for drying. We're at a $22 trillion debt, uh, debt deficit. So why why are we that high? Because these guys have gotten there, and they've padded their pockets. I don't think there's anybody in Congress or the Senate that's, that's under a millionaire or multimillionaire status. They've padded their little pet projects, and they've, they've robbed Peter to pay Paul. They've taken, 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 and so now they want to throw $25 billion at the post office to make up so nobody will find out all the money that they've mismanaged and misallocated throughout the years. This is decades and decades of just bad accounting, okay? And we, we're, we keep adding to this deficit and throwing money at situations because we have people who are misallocating the funds. And just because Congress is holding the purse, that doesn't mean that they know how to count. So now they want to throw all this money everywhere where it enlarges government. It doesn't uh, make government function better. It just puts, throws more money at the problem, and it doesn't solve anything. So the Postal Service is 
are in these silly contracts with other delivery services that are really it's it's a no brainer. Why would UPS um have the postal service do their job? Why are they dropping off packages on there and the post office is has given them a, an ideal dream of a contract by not charging them. So um, UPS is making all their good revenues and money, but the Postal Service, the American people, hence, we're being ripped off because everybody knows that the U.S. Postal Service is basically America. That is the taxpayer's company. But and, and our veterans are working there. And so they're being literally ripped off, and now Congress wants to throw $25 billion of taxpayer money back at it so that nobody will find out that they've borrowed and borrowed and borrowed and taken, taken the pot, taken the money from the post office. They let it dry, and they don't want anybody to find out. I actually uh, had my two computers. I had uh, I had a two, uh, I actually had two computers on, so um, it's okay. That's why you might have heard yourself in the background there. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I mean, a lot of folks don't know that, and you're really not hearing this on the uh, any of that on the news as well. You know, especially all the things that are going where you, you never hear about them. Like when you said that, made me think of Social Security. How you know they're, they're, they take money out of Social Security and then they would have com- complained that, well, oh my gosh, we, we got to do something about Social Security when, that, when they've been raiding Social Security all these years as well. Exactly, and the reason why they're raiding Social Security is because they let these mega companies bring in um, workers from other countries. Now, I I am not against immigrants, but what I am against is um, people who come illegally and they jump in front of the line of a person that's been waiting like three years to come here. And then also I'm against companies grabbing these workers in, giving them a Social Security number with a letter attached to it, and then those very same people who have not been naturalized citizens, they're able to get Social Security. So our yeah, right when they our, get here, <laughs> exactly. No one's ever talked so, about that either. No one talks about that. So what's happening is they're not fixing the immigration or the INS system. There's no reform on that. They're not fixing the tax rate. We should have just a simple, straight line tax across the board. Um, they're not fixing um, the. Uh, loans that they're doing from grabbing from one uh, prosperous entity to pay another one because of their pet peeve projects that, and these projects are just um, favorites of each one of the legislators and they don't fix anything. And they're not fixing these budget allocations that are going down the drain. So what we have is a $22 trillion deficit and it's going to keep going higher because we have mismanagers. They don't, they're, they're not allocating the money like it's supposed to be allocated, but they want to keep getting bigger, bigger, bigger. They want to keep printing money. 
fundamentally we have a very uh, corrupt system, very corrupt. And, and that's one of the things I don't understand about a lot of people. I mean, they, I mean, they they know how corrupt things have been for quite some time. I mean, remember, uh, Mr. I, I remember watching. Uh, I guess it was over at my brother-in-law's house, my sister's, you know, house, and it was on Christmas. And they, you know, I don't know why on Christmas they play Mr. Smith goes in Washington, but they did. And mm-hmm. so wherever they're watching it, I'm like, they're talking about government corruption and this and that. I'm like. They made this pick. They made this in like the forties. This movie was made in the forties, and they're talking about government corruption. We finally get a president there. It's part of the agenda is to drain the swamp, or what I like to call the cesspool, you know, because the swamp actually does have some ecological value to it. And and people hate him. (laughs) Well, it's because people are made to hate him. Is what it is. Why do they? They hate him because he's different, and he came in with a fresh new idea. He said, "Hey, well, why do you why do you want to throw away oil? Why do you want to throw away religion? Why do you want to throw away people's right to own their own guns and their own firearms?" Now we don't go overboard with the firearms. I agree with Justice Scalia. We got to have some rationale. I mean, you can't have um, uh, autobahn with no speed limits, you know, you have a vehicle, we got speed limits. So there is some laws that we need to keep in place. But here's the thing. Everything that makes America run, especially the religion, the churches, they are trying to knock it down and take away the foundations. So I, I heard of a story where there is a church in California, and I won't mention the name, um, but a judge put uh, a citation on this church, $3,000 for every time that they gather, and then it's so many other um, fees that they put on them for each congregation member that's in there. Now, that's kind of crazy. Well, People must have their prayer and their congregations, and that's America to gather and congregate in the name of Jesus. So how are you going to let a casino gather and you don't let churches gather? So I understand wearing a mask. We could do that. But people need to pray for healing, and many times uh, they need to pray together in a congregation because God says forsake not the congregation. But what we have is we have a, a very, 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 very way far progressive Democrat, um, I I. I'd say go frame left people that just do not want any signs of religion in America anymore. They don't want it anywhere. They don't want it in our schools. They don't want to touch. They don't want religions in our community. How can we function with God we trust on our money and our holy Bible being sworn on and taken oath to in our courts and the Democrats do not want religion? They do not want our churches. So the only people, the only person or entity that I know of that do not like churches is the devil. So why are we falling into that trap that we cannot allow the things that make America run effectively? Our economy is going to go down to pot because we're feeding Washington, D.C. They're sitting up, oh, high and mighty, with the millions 
and they're no hurry. They're not in no hurry to get a, another stimulus package gone on, or they would have done it piece by piece and sent out checks uh, like Mnuchin was trying to do. Why would they want all Americans to keep suffering for for? Oh, we have to have everything. Yeah. Oh, they want people suffering because they think it's going to hurt Trump's uh, Trump's chances of getting reelected. Well, it's it's making him look like the savior, and they're looking like the devils because at least he's directed Manucha to let's get some checks out right away. Let's help them. But we have Nancy Pelosi saying. Oh, now, uh, everything on this list has to be done. Well, what happened to compromise? You see, that, that now, happened a long, that, 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 that was gone since after the Bush, that was gone after and, 2000 when Bush got elected. Look, like it or not, this is the president over all of America, Democrat and Republican, and there has to be a compromise. And when I heard that he says, well, let's send out, Something to the people they're hurting right now. Let's do a moratorium on on evictions. Let's send out some checks. And then I hear Nancy Pelosi saying, no, no, let's not send them anything until we have everything on this list. My gosh, that's crazy. Why can't I think it very well could come back to bite them in the butt? (laughs) Oh, yes. Because. The American people are hurting right now. Now, it's nobody's fault that this pandemic, it's here. It's here. It's a plague. It's here. I do believe we all should wear masks. I do believe that we all should try to help each other through that with that. But above all, we should not say to the American people, you don't get anything unless we get everything on this list. What happened yeah, to the bunch of blackmailing the American public? Exactly, exactly. And and why is that? Because they're so used to, oh well, we're sitting high and mighty in our our mansions, and we're not being evicted, and we're not hungry, we're not in the food line. So they're so spoiled. Well, they also they're they're also used to a Republican. They're also used to the Republican Party that kowtowed to them. You know, if there's one thing I could say, you know, say about what Trump has done for the Republican Party, even though, ironically enough, he's not really Republican; he's a populist. That you know, he's given the Republican Party some some backbone. I mean, they were. I mean, ever since, again, ever since. You know, Ever since Bush Jr. You know, was elected, I mean, they're spineless. I mean, they're absolutely, they're absolutely spineless until Trump finally got elected. Let's go ahead. Um, yeah, what they're not doing is they're not being the party of Lincoln. They're not being the party that says, look, the American people come first. It's America first. This is what the Republicans are founded on. America first. That doesn't mean that we have to spread our money all over the doggone world and then we don't have any to take care of Americans. Right. Oh, and well, and as you pointed out earlier, they want to they want to get you know people illegal immigrants coming in here. And and I don't mind. I mean, I I I don't think we need immigrants anymore. To be honest, I think we got. I think our population is at a point where, frankly, numbers wise, we don't need them. 
Uh, I think well, that I, I don't. I don't. Uh, numbers wise, I don't think we. I don't think we need them. Uh, I think we got plenty of population here in America. I mean, and I don't mind well, if they come here to work. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. we're all we all come from some type of immigrants. So thank God for immigrants. But how much are we going to take before everything is exhausted? There has to be a limit to everything. You don't keep pouring, you don't keep pouring water in the glass until it just spills everywhere, and then you have nothing. So when you go to Mexico, they have a border wall. When you go to the southern border of Peru, they have a border. Every nation has a border wall, a border gate, or something to say, no, it's not time for you to come in to our country. We get to control that. Okay, you don't get to come here and grab the social services and then take it back over to your country because your government is not taking care of you. The government in Mexico should take care of their people. And until they do, we should not keep placating that and taking. Now, I love the fact that we are a melting pot nation. But this is what I do not like, that people will take advantage of the social services and then they don't care what happens to us when they go back oh, to their country. They don't care what happens to America. They're, if no. they had a devotion to nation or patriotic field, they would stay in their country and work. If their country is not what it's supposed to do, they would go and fight for it because that's what we as Americans did. We have to fight for it and make our country the, the, the blessed country that it should be. We don't run away and and try to bogart and take the resources of a neighboring nation. Right. Okay. Done with that. <laughs> Let's go ahead and bring in. Uh, uh, first, we have uh, Joseph from uh, uh, well Alaska now, and then we have uh, across the other part of the. Uh, we have David uh, from North Carolina, but let's go ahead and bring in uh, Joseph. Thank you very much, Joseph, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Always a pleasure to be on, Robert. How about you? Oh, Hi. doing all right. Doing all right. Thanks. Well, uh, you know, uh, the trolls come as the poles. So uh, <laughs> uh, that's that's my comment on uh, last week. Uh uh, I think I counted eight. After that, I lost count. Uh, I kind of felt like I was watching uh, Days of Our Lives, maybe the 100th episode or something like that. But uh, anyways, uh, I want to thank our, our guests for coming on. Um, I really appreciate you uh, bringing some perspective in. I learned a lot of things that I did not know that was going on at the post office. But I would have to say this is just my feedback, and you tell me what you think Um uh, to our guest, um, I've noticed over the past 10 years that the quality of customer service in the postal service, uh, the United States Post Office, has seriously declined. And I mean, yeah. I've had a multitude of issues. It's not just like one or two. God knows how many complaints I had to file by dialing the 800 number, and it's like, you go to the post office these days, they have a look on their face that's, uh, uh, that spells out morbidity. They don't want to be there. They're nasty. And it seems to be a pattern. It's not like something that's just happening, you know, once in a while here or there. 
And uh, I kind of think that's one of the main reasons why people are fed up with the post office. Um, like any other entity, you know, if the quality of customer service, the, the, you know, um, declines, you're not going to have, yes. you're not going to have a happy clientele. And so I think the post office needs to do a much better job of who they vet and who they hire uh, before bringing someone on board, especially working in a, in a federal position like that. Um, So that's my, that's my take on the post office. Yeah. I want to know what you think about that because uh, you were talking about how they were, you know, robbing from Paul to pay to Peter uh, and yes. that doesn't even surprise me because, you know, they've been doing that at the federal level for God knows 40, 50, 60, 70 years and ongoing yes. with different different types of, um, you know, uh, funds like Social Security and other, other things like that. That does not surprise me whatsoever. Oh, um, and, and you're so but, right. Yeah, they're unhappy. They're unhappy because um, one of the things that the post office does, and they've done this for a long time. They have um, taught the supervisors to be very oppressive and very military and very um, uncompassionate because when uh, a veteran comes to the post office, it's kind of like going from one military unit to the next. And so the post office feels like they have to give out and bark out commands, but in the in the gist of things, the the person and the worker never gets to acclimate to civilian to civilian life. Um, so there used to be a thing called going postal, and going postal would be because those workers were so oppressed by. Um, demanding supervisors that they would just simply go off and they would bring their their AK-15s or their semi-automatics and they really just would let them have it because that's what they know how to do. They, they've learned in the military to use their guns and to protect themselves when they are threatened. And the supervisors were trained to not have compassion on these veterans who are coming straight from the military into a civilian job, but they weren't giving the civilian rights. Uh, they kept, and, and they trained the supervisors to lash down on the worker. So when they're, they're bashed and bashed and bashed, I mean, you have a boiling point. And so you don't want to be there and you don't want to function. If you're told, uh, well, you shouldn't, you're not going to get your overtime because you waited at the railroad tracks for the train to make that delivery, and then they don't get their overtime, what they're used to their overtime, then they're going to be bitter, and it's going to make their life um, unhappy. And so they, they are, they're not good customer service advocates. They don't give it because they're not getting it. So what they should have and what this, there needs to be a total reform in that entity alone. You can ask um, veterans to stay in the mode of a soldier when they come into civilian life because you have to serve uh, the male and you have to be a user-friendly entity. 
the, you have civilians coming in and they expect someone to be nice to them. Why? Because our taxpayer dollars are paying their salaries. So there's a whole litany of reforms that need to go on with the training from, from the top down of how this should be run. Number one, they never got acclimated to uh, the Internet revolution. Okay, they never really adjusted the postal service to uh, the the email revolution and the internet, which these type of projections come with good management. They should have been able to project how they should um, change the postal service to better fit the climate of the internet age, but instead they tried to put a square in a round hole, in a circle, and it just won't fit. And so the employees are feeling that it won't fit and it doesn't fit. It's just simply a job for them that they're not happy at. So then this reform never comes because they keep on taking these bad deals with um, UPS, Amazon, and all these other package companies, and it does nothing but oppress the worker, and it makes work slow, you're not getting your mail on time like you used to because the workers are not happy because management is not adjusting because the ones that make the decision, they're not reforming. So you have a bunch of unhappy workers that are trying to adjust, but they're not training them correctly and they're not giving them the resources to broaden broaden their perspective. You can't tell a person just come to work and just do this in a certain amount of hours, but you don't train them effectively how to use their idle time. And then you lash out of them and take their money away. When you take people's money away in their overtime, then you're talking dangerous. So this thing needs to be reformed from the top down. And frankly, if the Postal Service had reserves in their retirement money, uh, the Congress needs to find a way to pay that entity back because those are outstanding loans that OPM, that GSA, all of these other agencies have taken from the Postal Service, and they've never reallocated those loans to pay it back. There has to be a total reform in the Postal Service, sure enough, but they must reallocate those funds to come back to it, and they need to learn how to do their accounting. The accounting in the Office of Personnel Management, the General Services Administration, the DOD, the accounting in these entities is so wrong and so off that they're not allocating money so that one agency runs out and then they just run to the other one that has money and takes from it. That's bad accounting. Absolutely, and I think all the points you make are completely valid. Uh, Mismanagement is very common in uh, a lot of entities and a lot of big corporations. Uh, And, you know, you're only as happy as the environment that you create for your workers. But still, at the same accord, you know, I also feel that the ends don't justify the means and that, uh, you know, a lot of uh, customer service reps for Amazon, Verizon, Spectrum, 
you know, they, they tend well, to lash out about because Amazon. they're not happy. Amazon sucked. They, um, oh, yeah. tried to, oh, they're the worst. Yeah, someone tried, well, someone tried to worst. use our card. <laughs> yeah, someone tried to use our card to, to steal a, an annual uh, an annual subscription, and they were no help at all. They, they even had the name. Actually, they're supposed to call me today. They actually had the name of the person who tried to subscribe uh, to Amazon Prime using our card, and they had the name, and they wouldn't do anything about it. Wouldn't it's do anything exactly. about it. It's as if they don't want to be bothered whatsoever, but here's where I come coming from. It's If yeah. you're that miserable with your job, you know, step aside. Um, there's no justification to take it out on 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 the customers oh, or the clientele. Yeah, exactly. And so you know, and, and at the same time, the they should know what mm-hmm. they're signing up for. You know, you got to do your homework before you sign up for uh, a, a corporation or a job, and and know what what the job environment is like there. And so you it's know, like, at the end of the day, it's um, yeah. it, it's easy for these uh, veterans to get the job because they get a ten point preference or a five point preference from coming out of the military. So. It's much easier to go straight to the post office than to a, a regular company. So then here we have customer service that is just bad everywhere. They don't care about uh, the customer at all. It's horrible everywhere. And uh, Now, I'm not sure if that revolution came in with the Internet revolution, but customer service is horrible I, I agree. I, I, I think one of the main reasons why it's horrible, and you brought this up in the beginning of the interview, is, is because uh, they uh, a lot of these big corporations outsource to uh, different countries and their call centers, and that diminishes the quality. What I've noticed is a lot of these companies outsource to different countries, and I've noticed that they have a language barrier. It's not that uh, their accent is so heavy that you can't understand them. I've literally had conversations with uh, people, especially from Amazon, uh, Amazon definitely uh, outsources to uh, uh, different countries and different call centers. And I don't have any issue with that whatsoever. Uh, whatso- you know, we're a nation of immigrants, right? But at least you can't have a language barrier where you're not understanding. And I've had issues where I just articulated the simplest things that a five-year-old would understand and I have to repeat it five times, and they still don't understand it. And then at that point, it's clear, no, it's that they're not fluent. They have a language barrier if they can't understand a simple question that I'm posing. And then many and times can, I just have to wind up mm-hmm. referring to their supervisor. You can thank that, that nasty trade agreement that um, George Bush and um, Bill Clinton, they did. Because with that trade agreement, it says that if an American company wants to be open 24-7 with their customer service, they want to claim that they can serve you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, that came with them shipping our information, our bank information, our account information, whatever. If you have an a, a Amazon account or if you have a, a telephone Verizon account, they shipped that information over to a different country and they paid the a foreign country, those employees, pennies, to answer the phone because it's a different time zone. So they're doing customer service in a different time zone with basically a non-Western culture so that 
they they are given a script to repeat certain things. So when you ask a different question, they often will give you the same answer to whatever question that you ask. So I've been on the phone with someone from another country, and I'm not going to mention that country. But uh, they asked me to verify my name. I give my name. They asked me to verify the address. I give the address. And then they say, excuse me, can you give me your address? They say the same thing. They ask this very same question uh, the second time. It's a script that they're following, and it's in English, and they only know how to say those particular questions and give a particular answer. So this type of 24-7 customer service that uh, came along with the, the messed up uh, trade agreements that they were doing, uh, this takes customer service to a whole nasty level. That means that not only is your personal information shipped overseas, but also you're not given 24-hour good customer service. You're given junk, and you have to pay an extra tax on the product you're buying for that junk also. So I'd rather they be right here in the U.S. of A. so that they can do customer service. If it's just 9 to 5, so be it, 9 to 5. But the 24-7 crap where they take it to another totally different nation that first of all, there, why would we, an American company, be employing so many other people in other nations when we need those jobs here? And this is one of the things that Donald Trump was talking about. Those jobs need to stay here. We need to employ America first. I completely agree. Uh, I thank you for taking the time to come into the show and for um, – you know, giving us uh, the real, the real scenario, of what's going on behind the post office. I, I learned a lot of things that you okay. wouldn't know unless you're an insider like yourself. I commend you for being a fellow American patriot, and uh, it was an yeah, uh, honor, privilege, and pleasure in speaking with you. Uh, God Thank bless you. you. God bless your family, and God bless the beautiful United States of America. And I'll defer back to you, Robert. <laughs> Have a good and this time we're going to bring in David. We do got other callers in. Uh, just push the one on your number, and we will get you into the show. Uh, and then we'll move on to, uh, not now, but in about uh, 15 minutes or so, uh, to our next topic of, topic of Kamala's China ties, which uh, I don't think you're going to, be, at least yet, uh, haven't heard a lot about this. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring in David. Uh, thank you very much, David, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Okay. Hey Robert, long time no see. Yeah, you too. Oh, I hear from you. I'm doing quite well, and thank you for being a whistleblower on this. This is actually a very, very, very important uh, topic because if you have toxic workers at the post office, and let's just say they hate Trump and they get a hold of these these quote unquote these ballots, they'll just throw them away. I'm like, all right, this is my f you to show you that, and you know well, uh, because yeah, yeah. God. The customer service has gone down, but it's always been down, and we're not addressing the elephant in the room. The post office has two unions, and everyone seems to forget about that, whether they have the carriers and the handlers union. Is, am I correct? Well, actually, they're not full unions. Okay, so federal employees are not really allowed to unionize, so like the steel union 
that we have, or Correct. like the auto auto unions. So Correct. what the post office have? They have uh, a union rep, and they call him a union rep, but he's really just a, a liaison, someone to talk to. Um, they can never strike. They can't go on strike, but they can no, talk good. it out. They can talk it out. Um, and, and that's basically what they do. Um, they're very lenient. So when you talk about a a soldier coming into that environment, um, this soldier may be on PTSD medication. He or she may um, have other um, leftover issues that they're dealing with, and the post office is very accommodating to those issues. Uh, they most likely will never fire you. Okay, but Correct. what they will do, what they will do is uh, try to modify your uh, work schedule. For if if you say I can't take anymore, then they'll grab another letter carrier to take your work from you, so that it, your mail can be delivered, but you can just go home and have a personal day. I mean, it can be within about uh, ten minutes. A, a carrier could call in and say, "Look, I'm." I'm leaving my truck here, and I can't take anymore. But those are the things that um, they do for veterans, for mm -hmm. uh, soldiers who are coming in and they are trying to transition into civilian life and do this job and also function to with their family and just carry on regularly. However, um, the higher-ups, uh, the people who are making decisions for the post office, they've never worked in the post office. They've never even um, taken the time to fully um, study or do an assessment on, on the whole culture of it to, to allocate training, to allocate uh, decisions, to do correct funding, to to make sure that um, money's just not going out the window and down the drain and everybody is not taking loans off of the Postal Service. So mm -hmm. you have a lack of empathy at the top when it comes to that particular agency. And Correct. those poor decision-makings and that poor lack of empathy with, okay, who do you have here? you have mainly, uh, mostly veterans. So you have to um, be understanding, but at the same time, you have to understand that the, the veterans are interacting with the public, customers, civilians. So the veteran will feel helpless and frustrated, things happening on the top level that, just don't make any sense. They're not rational. And those ra irrational decisions come because people have not taken the time to do full assessments and reform the postal service itself. So they throw these type of agreements at them with UPS. Why would anybody? So you work a veteran like a dog or like you're getting free labor to deliver um, another vendor's boxes. Why is that happening? It shouldn't happen. 
these are um, uh, dirty contracts that should not have occurred. So UPS gets to make a real big profit of taxpayer dollars because uh, we are uh, fully or halfway helping the Postal Service because their products are not selling like they used to because of the Internet email revolution. So, mm-hmm. And because we have dipped into their money grabbing loans for Social Security and for other government entities. Mm-hmm. And then you have um, the person on the bottom trying to deliver this mail and trying to work with very irrational, you got to deliver these 30 boxes from UPS. Well, why couldn't UPS deliver them? Because UPS knows that they can pay the Postal Service with that little menial agreement that they did, this little silly agreement. They can pay the Postal Service pennies, and the poor soldier will be delivering those packages. And that is irrational for an entity to work that way. Basically, they are um, cracking the whip on veterans to do an impossible job. Right. Well, right there, I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that's just cronyism right there when government and private entity work together. That's not capitalism. That's cronyism right there. And, you know, in economics, we have the term called creative destruction. Now, the post office, I know I've known this for years, has been going down for years and years and years. And granted, you know, uh, former Senator Al Franken, you know, a huge, huge lobbyist for the post office, and uh, he hid that pretty well, actually. You know, he says it's in the Constitution. That's fine, but it's an implication of power, just like the Supreme Court. So yeah. if the post office fails, that's fine. Let the private entities handle itself, Amazon, UPS, and I guarantee you their, their, their service and how they deliver and how they treat people will go up because they have to compete for your business. And they know they don't have to because we're subsidizing, and it's basic economics. You tax, you get less. Okay. You subsidize, you get more. Mm-hmm. Within that subsidy, somebody's suffering, and it's these people who are working with the post office. Yeah. And so here we have it. Now, keep under the demise that we're not China. And the reason why I say that is because in China, it's easy to um, crack the whip, and then you have everybody coming in, and most of the aspects of the Chinese worker, come on, they're the same across the board, same culture, they look alike, you know, same skin tones, basically, same culture, same. So, And it's a communist nation, socialist. So everybody's the same. And so are you going to have um, problems or labor problems? Are you going to have union problems? Are you going to have some a disgruntled problem? Are you going to have racist discrimination problems? No, you're not going to have those things that come with America. Why? Because everyone is looking the same they're moving the same. They're conformed to a communist socialist view. Do we want socialism in America? No. And we can never accomplish socialism in America. Why? Because we're a melting pot. We are different cultures. We think the same. We have different cultures. We look different. We have, it's, it's all different Types of things. The most thing that's the same in America that we conform with 
is that we are believers for the most part in God and in Jesus Correct. Christ. Correct. So I, would, I do. Like, I do. I, I would like to caution you on saying melting pot. That is a Marxist term. Uh, nation of immigrants. That is a Marxist term. That actually came from the Frankfurt School uh, Institute of uh, Creative. Uh, Creative thinking. So I always tell people be very okay. careful well, when you say that. But yeah, it's the assimilation. The assimilation is what makes us great. So and we're not doing. It's one person talking at a time, guys. Like, we can't we can't hear each other much if, if both people are talking. So uh, finish your comments, uh, David, and then go ahead and respond. Uh, you know, with that. You know, with your, with your comments, uh, Angie. And then we got Kelly in line. Okay. Uh, he wants to get in because of David. Okay. I'm good. David, go uh, ahead and then answer. Oh, you you done? Yeah, I'm good. Right now. Oh, okay. Go ahead. go ahead, Angie. Then we're bringing Kelly. Go ahead. And then, go ahead. I just learned something new, you know, but I'll just say Crayola crayons. We're Crayola crayons here. And it's good that we're not melted down. Have you ever seen melted crayons? It does, it's not a good look. It's good to keep the 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 differences intact and it's beautiful but here we have the one thing that bounds us is the love of Jesus Christ and I'm saying that freely and openly it's not that I'm against any other religions or immigrants that bring their religion here I just um, do not see where we could make everybody so um, numb to what their own belief is to accommodate for someone else's belief. That if, if, for example, if you are um, a believer in communism, why would you leave communist China to come here? And bring your communism. Is it the hope that you want to switch our government over into communism or socialism? So if you love to be a communist, stay in your communist nation and don't try to infiltrate a nation that's doing very prosperous with the beliefs that we have here. Now, like I said, I'm not against people bringing their religion and their beliefs with them, as long as it's not harming anybody else, and as long as they're not trying to infiltrate our government with those beliefs. This nation was founded on the principles of Jesus the Christ, and that has been a good thing. We have been a very prosperous nation. There is no other nation like the United States of America, and I attribute that to us being believers in God, in Jesus Christ. That's why we are this prosperous. So God bless America. But if we start to water it down and allow all different walks to just step in there and change that particular foundation, because most of the the guys that uh, established our Constitution and, and wrote um, our declarations, they were clergymen. A lot of them were clergymen. I mean, good intentions and believers. So when you start knocking down that particular foundation, 
then the nation will crumble. Because I'm one that believes that if you want to serve the United States of America in the Congress, in the Senate, or as president, then you must swear your hand on the Holy Bible. Why? Because that is what this nation was founded on. I can't go to Saudi Arabia or any place and uh, say, oh, I'm not going to put my hand on the Quran. I'm not going to open up. Those places will not allow you to do that. So in America, what has worked for us for centuries and what is getting better and better if we do not allow it to be infiltrated is the love of God and keeping the Holy Bible as to be sworn an oath on if you're coming to serve the American people. That is the standard that we cannot lose. If we lose that, if we lose the foundations that we were first set upon when this nation was founded upon, then we will lose and start to crumble everything. Then we will fall apart from the institutions that were meant to build us up. We already have the indoctrinization of our children in the schools. So when the schools were closed down, you know, I really was praying that, uh, if they're going to come back refreshed, maybe they'll put prayer back in school and maybe we'll have a more love of God after this plague. Because the indoctrinization of our children in the public schools has gotten worse and worse and worse. And so now the infiltration of, oh, I don't want to put my hand on the Bible. I want to put my hand on my other book that I brought from my other nation. So this type of um, bashing and infiltration and takeover cannot be allowed to happen. And it's not that we're not being democratic. It's just that we're being a very smart, rational nation. These are the things that we were founded on. We accept and we are a nation of different races, true enough. But what has built America is the love of God and the freedom to love God and to worship freely. Now, we're, that's why we don't bash if someone brings their religion with them. They are free to do that. But don't try to infiltrate the legislator so that before we look around, Everyone has to throw their Bibles away because it's offensive. Oh, you offended me by opening up your Bible. Is that crazy? The Bible and those principles were what this nation were founded on. No one else would allow anyone to come into their nation and knock down their religion like that. Why would we allow it? We will have nothing to hand down to our children because this nation will not look like, feel like, feel like the United States of America. This love of God is what binds us. It's what binds us. It's what keeps us amongst our differences loving this nation so that we push this nation up. America is blessed because 
the people will not tolerate the infiltration of a false god or idols. We don't do idols. And Angie, I do got to get um, I do got to get my next uh, my next caller in, and and the founders were okay. uh, were deists. Uh, but we do want to yeah. get to, yeah, because we want to get to our, our other topic, which you're certainly welcome to stay and make comment on. But I do want to get to our, our next topic because we are at the top of the hour. We do have a couple hours left, uh, but we want to get to our, our other topic as well. Uh, I'm sorry, I get away. Oh no, that's okay. We 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 allow that on the show. I mean, people do that, and that's fine. It's the organic nature of Bart's logic. Uh, but I didn't want to bring in Kelly. We've got other callers. Just push the one on your number dial. We'll get you to the show. Uh, and then we'll bring, um, after Kelly, our next topic of Kamala's ties uh, to China. Uh, go ahead uh, for coming to the show. Thank you very much. How are you tonight, Kelly? Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you. Hello? I can hear him. I can okay. hear you. So we were talking about, uh, we were talking about, I heard some things talking about uh, the Postal Service, mail and ballots. Um, I wanted to let you know some update on a test. I did a little test to find. I sent a I sent a, uh, a test ballot from my mm-hmm. uh, post office where I live here in Lyrica, California, to the county election clerk just to see if I could track it. Well, of course, first class mail you can't track mail and ballots. Just forget it. First class mail, no way. It's an HR 8015, which says first class only. They don't want uh, whoever wrote that and passed it. They're saying they do not want mail and bells to be tracked. But if we go priority mail, which is a Senate amendment I've sent to people that we go priority mail, you would have a tracking history of your mail and ballot from your doorstep to the election clerk's office. Mm-hmm. So here we go. This this is a nice date and time. You can look up your tracking number. There you go. So here we are, September 4th, 2020 at 2.59 p.m. USPS mm-hmm. in possession of item. September mm-hmm. 4th, 2020 at 9.40. I arrived at mm-hmm. USPS facility in Reading, which is about an hour and a half south. They have a, a sorting facility there. And then September 5th, 7.20 a.m., arrived at post office of Lyrica, so went from the post office to the sorting facility back to Irika. They also scanned for dangerous materials and what have you. All right. September 5th, 2020, which was Saturday. I sent this uh-huh. out on Friday the 4th. Saturday is the 5th, 7.30 a.m. out for delivery. So there was uh-huh. one that passed from the post office into the mail carrier's hands. Ding. Got a little time date stamp. So out for delivery, September 5th at 7.32. They... I guess that was the first stop. Delivery attempted, no access to delivery location in Marika. Well, of course not. Their election clerks close on Saturday. Correct. September 8th, 2020, 10, 12 a.m., delivered. Marika, California, your item was delivered at 10, 12 a.m. on September 8th in Marika. In and it says, uh, yeah, so there, there you go. That's what anybody voting by mail, this is what. I think any reasonable wow. voter would want is a tracking record yeah. who had it where and when. And if all of a sudden, let's say, for example, this was a real ballot, it was a test ballot to the election clerk's office, costing 26 bucks to run this. All right, suppose wow. that uh, the normal process, post office, Wairika, Reading, sorting, back to Reading, 
Wairika, and then to the wow. election clerk's office. Let's suppose that it goes from Wairika to Reading, and that's the end of the tracking. No more record. In other words, my ballot disappeared. Right. Disappeared. Then there's nothing you can do about it. Because <clears throat> well, you can show that you, – well, yeah. yeah you, you can call the – actually, you can – there's several things you can do. One, say, look, here's my tracking record. Uh, election clerk, and I want to know if you ever got my ballot because I want to do another ballot. I'll work with you. It's a small town. They probably would. Big cities, Sacramento, L.A., forget it. But you can go to the United States Postal Inspection Service, and they have the power to arrest. They were the arresting officers who arrested Steve Bannon. Uh-huh. Postal inspectors, and their their main job really is to look for fraud in the mail and mail fraud to save Americans with portion. Right. Their money in a fraud scheme. So, but the inspectors can walk into the post office in Wairi and say, "Hey, this guy complained to us, and his <clears throat> mail and ballot was received at the Wairi post office and never got to Reading. What happened?" Or okay. <clears throat> they could, say, yeah. See, yeah. this this is what we need if we're gonna go mail and ballot tracking. Okay, but uh, keep in mind that there's going to be eighty million ballots, or plus, maybe more than that, 80 million coming through the Postal Service. And not everyone is going to have $26 to send with that tracking. And there there are those postal inspectors, and they are good. They are the postal police, let me tell you. When it comes to 80 pieces coming through, and then those pieces have to be scanned in to be tracked. So um, there is going to be a like there before because why? You're breaking up, Angie. Can you modify what, uh, what you're speaking through? You're, you're breaking up there. Can you see now? Yeah, that's better. That's better? So you have 80 million pieces yes. coming through, and um, it was uh arranged like maybe two years ago that they were going to get rid of those sorting machines. We were getting mad at the um, boy or Joy, what, what's his name, because he got rid of the, um, the sorting machines. Well, that was in the plan a long time ago. So you um, don't have those sorting machines to sort 80 million ballots. You just don't. Well, let's uh, consider what the cost of that would be. That would be $2.1 billion. Well, what do you know? H.R. 8015, the House of Representatives, just passed $25 billion for the post office. Can they afford $2.1 billion to make this happen? And they're not going to come in one day, obviously. They're going to come over many, many, many days and many, many states and many, many systems spread out throughout the country. What is the cost of going to uh, war? How many trillions have we spent in Iraq and Afghanistan? Yeah. What is the cost of our elected officials doing whatever they want to spend the money however they want and corruption, etc.? I would gladly pay for my own $26 to make sure my vote yeah. got there. But why don't we, yeah. as, we, we as the people go ahead 
and you know what? I'll pay twenty six dollars more in taxes to know my ballot got counted accurately. But that's, and that's here's what, a secret. Here's how that goes. When you spend, um, say, if you don't insure that ballot, um, the postal service they're not under any obligation to make sure that ballot gets to that place if it's not uh, insured and registered, okay? So you can send it with a certified registered receipt. So that's 80 million pieces coming through extra plus the certified receipt and the returns. And they're not liable if people do not, Pay for that certified receipt. They're not liable that your ballot was lost in the mail. And what I can see that might happen is that uh, since they don't have the sorting capability that they used to have and they were downsizing because of the Internet revolution, um, this is going to be really chaos. Well, here's the question. How do we know they're not capable? They have been. FedEx and UPS are now using the Postal Service to finish their deliveries. (laughs) I got a friend that that works at the mailbox, et cetera, store, and she's saying that's what's going on is there's a shift. So the benefit of this. It's not that they're not capable. It's just that it will be an extra added when they've been downsizing. They're not going to want to pay the letter carriers the overtime. That $25 billion is going to be stretched out into things and equipment for the future. That's not for the immediate emergency needs for the election. They're not telling you that, but that $25 billion is not going to go for the, the boost-up for resources for this election. Well, that would be nice if it did, but see, we don't know. What if the Senate says, hey, here's the amendment, and by the way, anybody that is messing with the mail, that's an instant felony for every ballot you remove or an instant misdemeanor? Okay. We start catching the bad guys, and it's going to prevent cheating, but what if if the U.S. Senate says, you know, instead of $25 billion, how about Mm, $28 billion to cover the cost for this election season. Boom. What? That could hmm. happen. That well, could the happen. Whole thing, yeah, the they, can throw, money money yeah. they can keep throwing money at it, but the whole thing is we would have to read the fine print, okay? Because often when they throw money at something like this, they will stagger the distribution. So they might give them... 500 million before the election, maybe another billion after the election. It's staggered. We don't know how much of that is going to go towards upper management salaries. And believe it or not, postal people at the top, high management, they have leased cars. They have the Postal Service paying for their mansions. The Postal Service pays for all of their lower luxuries and amenities okay, at the top of that totem pole. So we don't know how much of those frills are going to eat up that $25 billion. 
Well, that's why they don't think. Right. The Senate can add $3 billion, maybe maybe $5 billion total. So instead of $25 billion, $30 billion. But the point I want to make with H.R. 8015 is the House said first-class mail only and don't change anything. In other words, you're saying, yeah, vote by mail is going to be really secure, and we're going to fool the American people that everything's fine, everything's safe, but don't you dare track it. Don't you dare track your mail. Yeah. Well, someone said if they put a, a first-class stamp on it, they have to track it. Is that no, true? they don't. They don't track. No, first-class mail, class packaging no. has tracking. First-class mail they does not. They don't track um, a 50-cent stamp mail. First-class is not tracked. you got to pay for that. Hmm. Um, oh, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um it's going to slow down forward because when you do send the tracking uh, and pay for a tracking of a ballot, it's got to be scanned in at every point. That's how you can look at your receipt and you know that it reached the mail facility, the sorting facility, at which point in the time because it's, it's basically hand scanned and somebody takes a hand scanner and they scan in that item, that piece of mail. So we're talking about... 80 million ballots that have an extra piece on there that says scan me. Scan me at each point because this customer has paid for this to be scanned at each point. Scanning alone, there's there's a, a, an amount of time that goes with that, and I can't remember what it is, but the scanning time alone is going to slow down the delivery of that mail item. Unless you do an overnight express mail, which is going to cost the customer um, more money. So then you can say, well, I express mailed my ballot on Monday, and it should get there on Tuesday. So that's pretty much guaranteed. They'll put in the zip code, and they'll tell you right there, we can guarantee this delivery at 10 a.m. if you want it but the customer's going to pay for it. And with them holding up the stimulus checks and evicting uh, Americans and all this stuff going on, they won't let people go back to work, or it's just people won't have the money to pay for an express mail, let alone a scan ballot. Well, <clears throat> Wayne Gretzky said he was a famous hockey player. You make, you miss 100% of the chances you don't take. They're 100% of the shots you don't take. So we can only try. I mean, states are going, I don't like yeah. it, but states are going failure. vote by mail. Nothing beats a failure. Um, myself, I, I'm going to put my mask on and go out and vote. Make sure that they that that I put my vote in on that day. I'm just gonna do it. And if I have to stand in line, um, maybe I will bring a lawn chair to sit or whatever. But um, it's gonna happen that way. I can save some money. I won't have to put it in express mail. In Pennsylvania, during the primary, a lot of Republicans went ahead and delivered it by hand, their mail-in ballots, right over to the county election clerk's office. So Trump and Bill Barr, the attorney general, had been getting out the message that 
we have concerns about the vulnerability of the mail-in ballots. And so the more the word gets out, the, there will be a lesser load on the USPS. So it's well, just going to be interesting to see what's going to happen because I'm, my concern is if we have a disastrous election, we're going to have uh, civil upheaval. We're going to have riots times 10 unless we have an honest election. Well, this is, here's the thing. People are human. And so um, when you say, okay, let's just grab a bunch of people that they say they want to help deliver the mail, let's let them do it. Well, um, that's fine and Danny, but here's the thing. Um, people are human. And if somebody um, is not trained to carry the mail, and uh, there's a trust factor there. So, so that that's going to be costly in itself. So we have to trust. We have to trust the entity that we're about to give twenty five billion dollars to, and and uh, we have to trust that it's going to work. And if you don't trust it work, I wouldn't suggest just uh, testing the system. Let's mail it and then show up. I would suggest if you're going to go out. Go out on election day with your mask on or go early and vote, but uh, vote at your regular polling place and and go and do it, and that way you make sure your vote's counted. It's in there. what I would advise to anybody. You know, you're talking 80, 80 million extra pieces of mail coming through, and these ballots are going to be flimsy. That means some of them are going to be stuck in the machine. Some of them are going to uh, not oh, get yeah, it's going to be a mess. I mean, I, I'd like to get on to the next topic, but this is very important, yes. I mean, the next one is two, and, but, yeah, th- it, yeah, it is. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a mess, and it's going pers- to be purposely a base to be made a mess so that we don't yeah. know on election night, you know, what, what, the, what it is. That's why we you know, mm-hmm. talk about getting out the vote. That's why Trump's going to have to uh, – If I were him, I would tell people, put on your mask and go vote. I mean, and he did say that at first, that he didn't want any mail-in ballots unless they were absentee, unless you were overseas in the military and then you can mail in absentee. He did say that at first, that, you know, hey, just get your lawn chair and go and go vote on the day. Don't try to do this to a mail-in some people, like our legislator in Congress in Washington, D.C., they have to be in Washington, D.C. for their jobs, so they have to mail theirs in. But for the most part, you know, for sure, fine way, I would advise all Americans to get out on Election Day and vote. Yeah, it's certainly important, and they got to win en masse. Uh, you know, yeah. they have to get en masse. You know, he's got to win, and, and he could. You know, at large margins, you know, as long as you don't have people, you know, here's the thing people need to watch out for, okay? And and this is my opinion, and I'm just going off of what, you know, the actions of, of someone who used to call into our show and just some of the emails mm-hmm. that this individual sent to me is, you know, they, they act like – they act like they're – you know, pro-constitution, and they they, they tout that they are, and you know they say that you know, all but they don't like Republicans or Democrats without re- realizing Trump's not really a Democrat, right? And so, but I I think I I believe, and I you know I think there's efforts, you know, and this is my analysis 
Stetler's efforts to actually try to dishearten uh, the the Republican vote. Now, again, if anyone who's a, a longtime listener to the show, they'll know that I have for years supported people such as you know non-party affiliation, multi-parties, multi-party systems, and I've raged against the duopoly of the Republicans and Democrats. But the point the yeah. point is is this isn't the time to do it. It just isn't. I mean, this election is so important. Yeah, I mean, if, I mean, I, I voted for multiple, you know, third-party presidential candidates. I mean, one of the reasons why mm-hmm. I vote for Trump is because he's not really a Republican. Uh, he's just there because he knows, as well as other people. I hate to say it this way, should. And, and this is much for my short end. I don't, I don't like the fact yeah. that an alternate party cannot win the presidency. We're not there yet. I mean, if people want to vote, and you know. For someone who's other than a Republican or Democrat, then you know do that at the local level, and then maybe these people could come up through the ranks and get more prominent positions nationally. But right now, the fact that voting anyone in any national level, whether it's a House representative, whether it is a you know a senator, whether it's the president, frankly, unless you vote for a Republican, unless you vote unless you vote for you know Trump, then frankly, you're voting you're helping Biden. You are helping Biden, and you are helping the Democrats, who are have proven time and time again to be anti-American. Okay, then you know whether you're inadvertently hurting them, or you're going, or it, I think that you may even well be a, a, a Democrat operative. Maybe you're doing it on purpose. I mean, the person I'm talking to, even through our conversations, and I quote, you know, I don't care if I'm helping the Democrats. And Uh so it's like, you know, and I've said time and time to get to this person, you know, like, Uh well, you just you just admitted that you're that that you're that you were helping them and you don't care. And they they don't come to the realization that by helping the Democrats, you're actually hurting the Constitution. You're actually hurting America, you know. And so, you know, we're just just, I'm just not going to, you know, I'm just not going to allow that on the show. This is I mean, we don't we don't mind if we if we offer. I mean, we don't mean you know opposing views, but I'm certainly not going to have someone who I believe is is you know either consciously or inadvertently, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think it's and I don't think it's inadvertent. To be honest, I don't. I mean, it could be. I don't think. Yeah. Um, but this is freedom you know, of America. We're, we're, you know, freedom that, when you're it, free. This is the freedom of America. When you are uh, in the freedom of this wonderful, blessed nation then that's the freedom that our Constitution affords you to do. You vote for who you want to vote for. No, I'm I, – well, and I understand that, and, I, and I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm not, I'm not saying anyone should be forced to vote for anyone. I'm just saying that the reality is – this is the reality. We, we live in the world of reality. And, again, as much as I support you know, non-party affiliates, I support alternate parties – you know, I voted for multiple. I've interviewed multiple third-party people on the show, and I support mm-hmm. their cause. Cause, there's a time to work it. This is not the time. This this, well, this is not the time to work the cause. It's just I, not. I, yeah, and I, I believe that here's the thing. If we came upon uh, the British at the bottom of automatic, and we turned to them and they said, well, I mean, this is just not the time for your battle. And I'm one of those people that believe all things are possible with God and nothing beats a failure but a try. 
So if those things are possible with God, then he doesn't stop at the door and say, oh, but not elections. You may, you can't win this election. That's not possible. That's not the God we serve. We serve a God that says he is in control over everything and everyone. And if by chance that one person who might be an independent candidate, they might not be affiliated with either of the parties, they may be agreeing. If they are, everybody's voted them out and saying, you don't have a chance. For like Trump, you don't have a chance, Trump. Drop out because Hillary's going to win. Do you tell me, I'll do this, Angie. I'll, I'll do this. I'll, 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 you know, we'll just do it real long, hopefully. But here's the thing. I, I, and, I'll believe, and I'll believe that the day I see us. Why do you think Trump ran as a Republican? You, you think if he ran as an independent, he'd be president? No way. There's no way if he ran as a if he ran I as think, a Constitution think, Party. Hold I on think, a second. Yeah. He, hold on a second. If he ran as yeah. a Constitution Party, if he ran as a Libertarian, if he ran as a populist, you know, if he ran as you know whatever, he would not be president of the United States. That's a fact. He would not be well, president okay. of the United States. He he, he would not. I mean, come on. We know better than that. If he would have ran, okay, okay, perfect example. There have been there have been other third parties. Anderson ran, okay. Anderson ran in 1980. Remember remember Anderson when he ran with uh, with Carter against Carter and Reagan. He didn't win. And then you had uh, Perot. He ran twice. He didn't win both of the times. I voted for Virgil Goode, you know, knowing he probably wasn't going to win, you know, but I voted for Virgil Goode and, and had him on the show numerous times in 2012. I knew he wasn't going to win. But the thing is, is we are at a point right now, we are at a point right now that there's, there's times to make the fight, okay? Just like, you know, there's time to live, time to die, time for peace, time for uh-huh. war, for the fall, okay? I think there's even uh, – uh, a, a thing of that in the Bible that talks about it's a time for everything. Okay, and what okay. I'm saying is, hold on, hold on. And what I'm saying okay. is that time. Okay, I've been following politics for 40 years. I'm pretty okay. well versed in it. My education is in politics, and I'm telling you, uh-huh. the only way the only way you would get me to believe that premise that anybody can become president. You know, yeah. is for someone like the Perot, or they, and they haven't. They fought, they fight, and they lost. Okay, and probably one of the reasons why Clinton became president is because of Ross Perot, frankly. Okay, so he didn't win, and there's no way I'll ever believe that premise unless that ever happens. And until here's the thing: I'm a, I'm based on evidence. Okay, I'm an empiricist, and unless I see empirical evidence that this thing is possible, but I'm going to go with the numbers. And the numbers okay, are going to tell me, mm-hmm. the numbers are going to tell me it's not going to, it's not going to happen. And it's not. And until I can see it happen, I'm not going to believe that. But, 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 uh-huh. but my point is, my, my point is, is that it's not the time for that fight. Because the, 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 here's, the, here's the point. The fight okay. that the, the, here's the ironic thing. The fight that those people are having Okay, the fight that they're continuing right now could actually be more of a detriment to their cause 
that's what don't make sense to me. Them, their fight, well, them fighting their fight now, and having people who adhere to that, okay, moving away from people who are closer to their ideology than the people that they might allow to win. So they're, they're actually right. fighting against their own best interests. But here's what I see. There is a thing called uh, a stagnant election. And here's what I see that is a setup. Supposing that we have one party that says, we want to tie up this election, and we're going to make it sure that we arrest their candidate and that they do not have a candidate to fill that slot. We're going to arrest not only the incumbent, but the, also the vice president with him. We're going to make sure that one of the, the party that we're opposing, they don't have anyone for their little people to vote for. So that we are going to, at the last minute, we're going to arrest them. We're going to indict them. And so we're going to pull them off the slate. There you go. And you don't have a Republican now. Now, what are you going to do now? You don't have anybody. You have to vote for Biden because we've taken, we've arrested your little president and your vice president because they're in jail right now. We've arrested them. So, uh, one second. So, it's this, not going to happen. David, did you want to chime in on that? David, did you want to chime in on that? That's possible. Okay. No, it is not. Okay. You cannot arrest. You cannot indict a sitting president. It is unconstitutional no, you by all you measures. You can. You can if you're crooked okay. in the first place. You can't. You can't indict a president. Sorry, you just can't. If, He's protected if, by if Congress. Crooked, if you're crooked in the first place and you don't intend on going on the rules, why would you sit back and go by the rules all of a sudden? You would violate the rules, and you would become. That's called impeachment. It's called impeachment and trial. That's how you remove a sitting president. But this is the setup. Everybody's thinking, oh, they'll follow the rules. They won't do something like that. But what rules? At three weeks before the election, the sitting president is arrested along with the vice president. Okay. Don't tell me that you there's can't not arrest that the president. Is you can't arrest the can't. president. Which president has ever been arrested in our nation's history? Which president has ever been arrested? I can't name one. Because it ha- because the Constitution <laughs> doesn't allow it. It's called impeachment. But I can't name a time where there was a pandemic either. So, I mean, there's a first... There's a pandemic in 1918. There's a pandemic. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I wasn't alive, and you weren't either. Well, I know but we were alive. I wasn't either, but the question was here. This type of analogy because I'm telling you, it, just because there is a statement that says you can't arrest a sitting president, that doesn't mean that somebody that's sitting in in the Congress cannot violate that particular statement and say, look, yeah, we're going to do it, and we did it. And what are you going to do when they do do it? You'll have no, there will be no candidate. What are you going to do when they say, oh, we did do it? So what, so what are you going to do to us? We have the power to, to uh, declare war. 
Well, I tell you what, well, if, 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 three, if, if, three, if, if, if three weeks were the night before the election, frankly, I would still vote for Trump. But the thing is, is uh, and, and again, if you had, think about it, if you had 80 million people, if you had 80 right. million people who voted for President Trump, and it was to, right. to uh, consider him elected, how long, 80 million people, how long do you think, let's say he was sitting in jail during election night. That, it's not going to happen. It's doubtful, highly doubtful. But let's say that scenario says place. People are going to okay. vote for him. Cause no one's, they're not going to be able to say you can't vote for him. People will. 80 million. How long do you think he's going to be sitting in that jail? They will. Not very long they because they're going to say, look, the people, the, the, the people, the people have spoken. He's not going to sit in there. Let, I mean, let me talk not, about the most probable. Okay, let me, let me, let's talk about probability. Okay, as I said, I'm a numbers guy. Let's talk about probability. Okay. There is okay. a greater chance, okay, there is a greater chance because this has happened, and I just mentioned it earlier. There's a good chance that the reason that Clinton won was because of Perot. There's a good chance that Perot might have taken just enough votes away from Bush Sr., which I, know, I didn't like him anyway, so that Clinton was in president. What I'm stating is that history could repeat itself, so if enough people vote for third-party candidates, it could be enough if this ends up being a close election, especially since we're trying to deal with through all these means, that because right. people are voting for third-party candidates, there is a higher probability. There's a higher probability that of that happening than President Trump getting arrested and people not having somebody to vote for. Okay, there's the next that's question. Not, that, 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 that's a higher probability than that. Has the Supreme Court ever chosen or basically said, okay, this is your president? Has the Supreme Court ever count, ever said, okay, stop counting the ballots, this is your president, live with it and deal with it? Or has the Supreme Court ever said, look, um, the the candidate that won this election was indicted and the vice president was indicted as an accessory and they're sitting in jail, the Supreme Court has to act and do something. So they take the candidate from the same party and say, this will be your interim president. Why? Because you're the party that really won. The fact that your candidate is sitting in jail doesn't mean that the the country the Congress gets to take your entire uh, party candidacy away. You still get the White House, but you have to take the Republican candidate that's right there listed, that's, that's not that's, in jail. Yeah, that's now, not, tell me that's that's not, that's that's not That's highly possible because the Supreme Court has to step in when there's a stalemate with the election. They have to. That's the House of Representatives, to my understanding of it. That's actually the House of Representatives. Well, the Supreme Court would outrule Which makes it the worse. House of Representatives. You know why? Because the House of Representatives is run by the Democrats. So it's one party against the other one. And if the Republicans win, technically, but their candidates are in jail because the Democrats put them in jail, then. The Supreme Court has to choose, and there, and John Roberts is going to choose the Republican who's ready and able right there. That's the Republican. That's what John Roberts will do, well, and it's not well, then, impossible. Well, well, then, 
Well, and then you kind of make my point because that's what I stated earlier. We're going to get to our next, uh, our next, you know, cause we're going in circles. Okay. I don't want to spend hey, a lot Robert. of time running in circles. Hey, Robert. Hey, Robert. What? Can I ask this lady a question? Uh, sure, but every you're, you're breaking up. Uh, except both of you guys are. I don't know what's going on with that, but you're both breaking is that, up. Is that a little, ahead, is that a little that better? That is better. I can that hear you. That's what I want to bring us on. Just, we're, we're, we're about halfway through the, uh, the, the second can, hour. I want to bring this up, but go ahead. Uh, okay, well, I hear you, David. Can Can you hear me? Okay, as Kelly here. Uh, are you voting? Are Are you Are you and, voting and, for? And, are you gonna? And, and, and my name is Angie. Oh hi, Angie. Are you Are you gonna vote for uh, Trump or Biden? I'm gonna vote and write in Angela Marie Wendhauser. I'm gonna write in Wendhauser. W i n d h a u s e r. Well, I should the check her out. The most conservative. The most conservative candidate. That's out there, and and before I get to this, and I don't dispute that, and, and and I'm not, and I really wish we were at a time where you know a candidate such as that could be elected. But my, my the point is, is every everything you know, the reality is, is everything that's taken away, and 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 frankly, I hate this logic. I absolutely hate it because people believe me. I got death threats from people back in 2012 and a lawyer saying, oh, you're going to be under investigation and all kinds of stuff because, you know, I was saying the same thing that you are. But here's the difference, and here's what I think is the difference. Uh-huh. Because people threaten me, too, because I was like, look, you know, vote your conscience, right? Uh, vote your conscience. And the thing is, is here's what's different. And you mentioned the term earlier. Well, I wish I could remember what the term was. But I want to go with this far as to say, you know, an inconsequential – this ain't the term you used, but I wish I could remember. I, to be honest, I should have wrote it down because it's a good term you used. But, but what it comes down to is an inconsequential election. And, and how could anyone say, well, how could any presidential election be inconsequential? Because I really think that the, the 2012, uh, you know, presidential – I think the primary was important. But I think Obama could have certainly been, certainly been defeated. I think if the right candidate was in there, such as Newt Gingrich, he could have been defeated. But once that happened, the general election, to me, that that was in, that election was inconsequential. It didn't matter when Obama was running against Romney. It did not matter who won that. Didn't matter who won that. Didn't matter who was president, whether Obama maintained the presidency or or Romney. And this is why Romney and Obama are frankly the same person. Actually, I got you know that they are. Um, they both had the same policies. They both were progressive. Romney even admitted that he's a progressive. You know, no, there wouldn't have been any. Yeah, well, here, this is so. I love this. This is so funny. Um, so uh, it's just a minute, but this tells you about you know Romney and, and Obama, and this would be what you know one of the debates. Uh, probably, you know, well, we, we see it in the debates, but this is probably what a more accurate one of the debates should have looked like. Mm-hmm. Mr. President, just how different are you from Governor Romney? <laughs> uh, now, let me be clear. Uh, I agreed with Governor Romney on many things. For instance, abortion. He was pro-choice most of his adult life. So was I. But he changed his position uh, when he became presidential candidate. Uh, hold on. Now, let's take guns. <laughs> now, Governor Romney and I, uh, we were in complete agreement on gun control. Uh, now, that is, until he changed his mind. But but I... And on health care, well, 
Uh, I was so inspired by Romneycare you know, that I nationalized it and called it Obamacare. Whoa, whoa. But now presidential candidate Romney is against the individual mandate and universal health care. I agreed with Governor Romney on many things. But this presidential candidate Romney, I don't even know the guy. Then again, uh, he doesn't seem to know himself. Oh, come on. Governor Romney? <laughs> Getting our future is responsible for the content of this message. And I love that. that that's so funny. I love that. Uh, I love that little clip. I played that back in 2012. Michael Cohen said Trump is pro-choice. But that's what. Um, but that's what. But that's what I mean by. But you know, and, and we go by their actions. I mean, he mentioned things not that only Romney has said, but what Romney has done. So that's why I say it was an inconsequential election. It didn't matter who won. So if there was any election to vote your conscience and try to get people who were non-party affiliated or or, or non-Republican, that was probably, at least in my my recent memory, the one most, you know, one to get elected, that one. This one isn't it. This is not one where I think that it's just not the place to vote your conscience. Because, and actually, if you want to, if you're voting for, you know, Trump or even the Republicans at this point, you are voting. Because here's the thing, and I've said this many times, the Republicans had no backbone until Trump became president. They would not stick. They would not stand up. They just let the liberals and the Democrats run all over them. I mean, look at Paul Ryan. Would run right over them. Okay. Yeah. But once Trump was, but here's the thing: is people like. Well, sure they were, but now Trump's giving them some backbone, and here's the thing. They might not even agree with Trump. They might not even like Trump. They might have done things that people are like, well, look, the Republicans and Democrats are the same side, or the different sides of the same coin. And in a lot of ways, people are right. I don't disagree with that. But now mm-hmm. Republicans, because they are you know, they're for their party, okay? And mm-hmm. I'm not saying the Republican Party is American first. But they're for their party, and who is the leader of their party right now? It's Trump. So mm-hmm. they have to protect Trump. They got to agree with Trump because if they don't agree with Trump, I mean, you've got your, your mm-hmm. you know, your, you know, outliers like Mitt Romney, for instance, and mm-hmm. even Cotton in a lot of ways. But they, for the most part, There's they got to get behind them, or else, or else they're dissing their own party. And so they mm-hmm. got, so they can't. See, here's the thing: if Trump gets reelected and the Democrats maintain mm-hmm. the House. Then we're right. going to see his American First agenda right. be stymied just the same way as we've seen in the past three years. We can't have that. But no, we, we can't. Not we're we're going to see the same thing not, repeat. Not if he has a vice president that is fired. And if he, for example, if he chose uh, an African American Republican woman who's running as a write-in for to replace Pence. Because I like Mike Pence, but he's not fire. Well, no, he's um, not, and, and, that, and that's one of the reasons. That's actually one of the reasons why he got picked. I, mean, Pence, I, I was not a big fan of Pence. But if the president has a VP, um, and I, I keep saying an African American woman, um, because. Um, not that any other race of woman wouldn't do, but there is fire and heart there. There is fire and fire that Vice President Pence is not showing right now. 
I mean, oh, well, no, he's, he's nice. Mean, he's, 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 he's a country preacher. He's he's very nice, but he's just not having that fire. Robert, can I chime in, please? You may not even. Uh, we need Mike Pence, okay? I know people have differences with Mike Pence, but that right there, that is a man you do not mess with because he's quiet. When he was unleashed to debate uh, Kane, he utterly destroyed him. Can you imagine what he's going to do to Kamala? He's going to destroy her. No, he's going to absolutely destroy her. No, I'm talking. He is absolutely going to destroy her. He is the perfect VP for Trump because he is the calmer side. Trump unleashed him as a secret weapon, and he got the conservative evangelical votes. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm tired of Republicans saying, oh, we need a true conservative. Here's a newsflash. There's no one who's holy. There's no one who's pure Christian. There's no one who's truly conservative. Like even my friend, you know, he leans on to the left, but I was telling him, Who's good in this world? I said, Ronald Reagan freaking let, uh, left uh, his first wife for Nancy. JFK cheated on uh, Jacqueline many times. All yeah. right, let's get to this. Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. Okay, okay. Gerald Ford's wife was a pill-popping booze, boozer. And she was cheating on Gerald Ford. Okay, but who's perfect? Trump is what we need. He gave Republicans that backbone. He gave them the fire they need. And I'm so sick of the Republicans not following suit. Case and example, look at me in love. Oh, I'm an anti-Trumper. Well, guess what? In one of the most conservative major cities in America, you lost to a Democrat because you said I'm an anti-Trumper, even though he's the most pro-life candidate we've ever had since Reagan. No, even more so than Reagan. So no, well, okay. Trump is the president. Trump yeah, is the president. I love Mike Pence, but he's a church. He's a church mouse, and I just, I, you know, I, I know that he can do it. He's got some fire, but it doesn't come out. I don't see it. Because he's the vice president. He must follow lead of what the president. Now, if the president fails, he takes in. That's what a true vice president does. Look at George Herbert Walker. Hold, hold on, hold on, folks, real quick. Hold on. A, a programming note, okay, is that we are at the top. We're at the quarter of the top of the hour, okay, which means in about 13 minutes, if you're on the line and it drops, we unfortunately will not be able to get you back in. So uh, definitely uh, – you know, make sure your phones or whatever you're in are charged. Two, if you are all, if you are out there in the chat and you want to listen to the next hour, you'll have to call in at three four seven nine four five seven four to wait. Uh, if you don't, then uh, you won't be able to to hear the rest of the show. You'll be able to hear the podcast, which will be available, uh, but you will be able to uh, hear it or or chime in as well. So, if you like to hear that uh, that portion. Uh, live, uh, then go to nine four. I'm sorry, three four seven nine five seven four two eight, and you know, we'll finish the conversation here. I definitely want to get to at least to the articles uh, that we got here because I don't hear anybody uh, talking about uh, Kamala Harris as a link to the uh, to China, China as well as you know, of course, the Atlanta piece uh, that is trying to say you know try to separate Trump. Uh, from his military and veteran supporters, uh, it's just it's just a plot to try to do that because that's one of the strongest, you know, circle not circle but you know block of supporters as veterans and the military and, and police and of course they're, they're going to try anything to try to uh, 
know, to take it, to, to strip any, yeah, I mean, to strip away. I mean, I don't think that any of his core supporters at this point are going to believe anything that that they come out with because they're going to twist everything. Just like a new thing saying that you know, Trump admitted to some guy that who wrote a book like, oh, well, I purposely downplayed uh, the coronavirus and then, you know, what they cut out was just saying, I was, I was trying not to cause panic on the nature, on the cheerleader for the – and he is. I mean, everyone well, else is both gloom and doom, and, and Trump's trying to get, you know, to try to keep the, the a nation yeah. from panicking. But anyway, that's, that's a story of it's Trump's moment for a different day. Manipulate. It's a shame how they manipulate and edit stuff, good stuff out. You know, they used to do that with Ronald Reagan. I mean, he'd give a, a really dynamic speech about God. He was really good about, um, I mean, he almost gave sermons. Uh, but the news media, you would never hear it on the mainstream because they just cut it out. They wouldn't even uh, film it. For shame. Well, and they don't. And they've always been trying to secularize America. But, but anyway, I did interrupt, though. Um, David, so I do want David to, to finish his sports. I apologize, but I just want to give that programming note to people before they miss the opportunity to call in if they're still just in chat or listening out there from the uh, the link. But go ahead, David. Uh, uh, lastly, you know, like I've stated before, Trump was not my first pick. It was Scott Walker, and then it was Ted Cruz, and then I realized, you know, when he won my home state of North Carolina, I was like, whoa, this is a movement. Mm-hmm. And I start, and I'm understanding why. Because people were fed up. They got tired of establishments. And then Trump's yeah. a businessman. He's savvy. And, you know, people yeah. were saying, oh, I never Trumper. Okay. Candace Owens, Charlie Kirk, all these people who are like, oh, we're for Trump now. They were all anti Trumpers. And the people who did believe yeah. Trump says, it was uh, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, Mark Levin was, was against Trump big time. Exactly. Exactly. And even his inauguration speech to say, well, that wasn't conservative. No, he got to the point. And he did it. He made and he did it amazingly. And last on my last note, when we do, when yeah, Republicans do that, let's, like, let's not talk over each other. I hate that. Sorry, sorry, David. Sorry, Angie. When, sorry, when, David. when the Republicans when the Republicans do take the House, we do not need Mike McCarthy. We need the rank and file member Jim Jordan to be the Speaker of the House. Yep. Because McCarthy, mm-hmm. I I really believe McCarthy. He'll just be another Paul Ryan. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, Paul, Paul Ryan Light. I mean, I, I, yeah, I agree. So I think Jordan would be great. <laughs> I think that would be great to be the, the speaker of the house. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that, not McCarthy. I'm not a. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of him either. I don't know if he's as bad as Paul Ryan, but. <laughs> but he, yeah, he's, he's yeah, not as bad. But he, 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 he's. he's, he's so I didn't know that Kamala Harris's husband was with the China people. With the communists. Well, yeah. Let's go ahead. And get, yeah, let's go ahead and get to that article. Um, so I got here. And all, the articles, you know, which we're not going to get to all of them all with you tonight, but the ones, uh, if you want to read them in full, you can find it at the Bard's Logic website on the newsroom page. And that's www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Uh, go to the newsroom page and you'll be able to get this article as well as other articles and videos and, and things of that nature. Um, so anyway, so this article, this actually comes from uh, the National Pulse. And this one uh, is revealed Kamala Harris's husband, husband's firm, represents Chinese Communist Party-owned corporate wow. employees, ex-CCP officials. It says DLA Piper, a multinational law firm, boasts nearly 30 years of experience in China and over 140 lawyers, 
dedicated to its China Investment Services branch. Oh, my God. Harris's links to the company are found with her husband, Douglas Emhoff, which I know we've heard that last name before, who has served as a partner in the firm's intellectual property and technology practice and its medium, sport, and entertainment sector since 2017. DLA uh, Piper boasts of having, quote, long-established and embedded China desks in both the U.S. and Europe to assist in their China-focused consulting, prompting questions about the firm's potential proximity to the White House to be leveraged by DLA Piper, exploited by the Chinese Communist Party, or represent a financial conflict of interest for the vice presidential candidate. To facilitate DLA Piper's China practice, which has received countless prestigious awards from the China Business Law Journal and China Law and Practice, the company employs a host of former Chinese Communist Party officials. Ernest Yang, who serves as the firm's head of litigation and regulatory department and co-head of international arbitration, was appointed to the Chinese People's Political Consulting Conference in 2013. The CPPCC serves as the top advisory board for the Chinese Communist Party, and Yang was promoted to the body's standing committee in 2019. Jessica Zhao, a senior advisor who served as Secretary General of the China International Economic and Trade Arbitration Commission, a government-owned body established by the Chinese Communist Party in 1956. It was developed under the auspices of the China Council for the Promotion of International Trade, a government body for the furtherance of Chinese trade promotion. Other high-level employees, such as Gloria Liu, who serves as a partner, having represented lead investors in deals with ByteDance, the parent company of TikTok, a controversial app is said to be banned by President Trump for its compromising links to the Chinese Communist Party. The hire serves to bolster DLA Piper's China operation, which it outlines as necessitating liaising with the central and local authorities in China. It's not surprising, therefore, that American DLA Piper lawyers have worked on behalf of the Chinese government. Consultant James Phillips, for example, identifies himself as having, quote, advised the Chinese embassy in Canberra, Australia, party payroll. DLA Piper has engaged in bevy of business deals that had left them on the payroll of the Chinese Communist Party. The company listed itself as an advisor to two government-owned airlines, China Eastern Airlines and China Southern Airlines. DLA Piper has also advised China Merchant Groups, a state-owned company under the direct supervision of the top Chinese Communist Party, I'm sorry, on a 2.5 billion-dollar technical deal. CMG also identifies as a crucial participant and promoter of the national initiative of the Belt and Road, the Chinese Communist Party scheme to expand its economic and political control over the developing world. The firm has also advised Hong Investments, Stock Corporation Limited, a subsidiary of one of China's largest state-owned bad debt debt managers, and China National Gold Group, a state-owned mining and refining uh, company. Tencent, the host of WeChat app, 
which is said to be banned by the Trump administration for its compromising links to the Chinese Communist Party, partnered with DLA Piper on a $230 million deal with the Chinese tech giant food delivery app known as Miss Fresh. The Cohen connection, and this isn't Michael Cohen, different, different Cohen. It's this so Cohen the Cohen Group, the consulting firm started by the former Secretary of Defense and Joe Biden endorser, Bill Cohen, has self-described strong strategic partnership with DLA Piper. Hmm, so maybe that's why uh, Biden decided, well, no, that's probably not why he decided to call other things, but that probably didn't hurt. Despite the former Secretary of Defense slamming President Trump as a tyrant, his firm similarly employs a, high, a host of high-level Chinese mm-hmm. Communist Party apparatus mm-hmm. and has mm-hmm. advised party officials as part of a Harvard program which counts attendance from entities sanctioned by the Trump administration for committing, quote, serious human rights abuses. Cohen has vested and visited China several times to meet with Chinese Communist Party officials to increase Chinese capital flowing into the U.S., the primary avenue of lawyers, espionage, and intellectual and properly theft occurs. And lastly, it says a family business. While Emhoff is currently on leave of absence from the firm, presumably in relation to Harris's vice presidential bid, his ties to the company are eerily similar to Joe Biden's son Hunter's profiteering immensely from a billion-dollar business deal with Chinese Communist Party. Wow, and this so is about there you have it. Fast. We don't hear that in a lot yeah. of places. And wow, this here is big. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, let's, hope, let's start. Hope we hear it, uh, hear it more loudly and frequently. But let's go ahead and go down the line on the panel on that article. Uh, first, we will uh, go with you, uh, Joseph, and then David, and then Kelly, and then we'll bring it back to you uh, for your comments. And we'll, we'll just move on there from the top of the hour. So, again, don't let your uh, Mike Dropper will end up losing you. And if you're out there in the chat and you want to chime in, just give us a call at 347-945-7428. Go ahead, uh, Joseph. It's good to hear from you again. Okay, so Thank this you, is why. Okay, who goes first? Is David? This is uh, why Kamala's husband. Yeah, this is why her husband is so quiet. Uh, I mean, I, I was well, wondering. Hold on. That's just, it's just, we're going to have Joseph, and then we'll bring, we'll bring in. we got plenty of time. Yeah, you're right. Thank this you. Is why. Go ahead, Joseph. I, I appreciate it. So uh, I'm just listening to all of this, and I'm, I'm just beyond myself. And, and, and I'll tell you why, and I'll be frank with you. Uh, and, uh, and I get to the point that you're making, Robert, uh, 100%. Um, in, in, in first bringing up uh, one of those uh, callers, um, who basically there's there's a difference from there's a big big difference from coming on a show and making a point and arguing uh, and making an argument, or there's a difference from someone who's just calling to intentionally stir the pot week after week after week, which is completely different. And that's not censoring the person's speech. That's just simply saying, look, what are your true intentions here? Uh, the second thing that is beyond me is that I, I've been campaigning since the age of 17, over 20 years. And, uh, you know, the reality of the matter is we have two major political parties, the Democratic Party and the GOP. 
You cannot win on a presidential ticket if you don't either run as a Dem or you don't run as a Republican. The day that that does happen, I will see it to believe it. But the facts support that cannot happen. So, you know, and then we're going back and forth about who would be a better VP and, you know, focusing more on, um, you know, whether Trump could have got elected as independent. And I'm thinking, really? With millions of people out of work, people who have to forfeit their businesses, everything they've worked for all their life is crumbling in front of their pieces, while you have the left issuing draconian uh, measures of the name of COVID that are destroying these liberal states. And I'll name uh, a few major ones, New York, California, Illinois, uh, Michigan, Hawaii. I had to leave. I had to flee Hawaii, where I lived for over three years, a place that I loved, a place that I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life because of a liberal governor and liberals in that state running it into the ground and issuing draconian measures and shutdowns that were so illogical that crippled and tanked the entire Hawaii economy. Does it make sense to say that in the name of COVID, we're going to release murderers because we don't want you to get COVID? But these same leftists are saying, but if you don't wear your mask, not only are we going to fine you two to $5,000, we're going to throw you back in jail. No, no, it's insane. Look, the, the choice is very, very, very clear. A five-year-old that is not biased could see this as clear as the day. And the choice is clear. This is not about ideology. This is about facts. You turn on the news and you see cities like Portland and uh, Wisconsin, uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, and you see Minnesota, and you see these cities, New York, being looted, being burnt down to the streets, people being assaulted by Black Lives Matter activists, anarchy and chaos. Who is controlling these entities? Antifa, the left. That is not an ideology. That are, those are indisputable facts. So I'm going to make this very clear. If you envision an America in which you want America to go down the toilet, then the choice is clear. Vote your conscience and elect Biden and Kamala Harris. I guarantee you after four years, um, there will be no America left. Uh, Barack Obama sure did his job of eight years of failure and taking this country down the tank. And fairly, so did George W. Bush. You see, what many people forget is country above party. I'm tired of the labels. You're not conservative enough. You're not Republican enough. You're not Democratic enough. Uh, you're not libertarian enough. How about we start voting for people based on their qualifications, based on their fiscal and social platform, country above party, instead of saying that we have to be compelled to vote Democrat. Why? Well, because I'm a Democrat all my life, or I'm a conservative all my life. And then you wonder why you have the elite rank and file in power for 40 years and why they're still there, the likes of Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell. Why? Is because the same people who want to have, uh, you know, uh, want to have their way, want to have their cake and eat it, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. They complain about the system, 
but they're the ones that are continuing to elect these people into power. And they're the establishment. And why? Because they wear the jersey of, of their party like it's a sports jersey. Because I'm a Dem. I have to, and that's the only reason why. Or because I'm a Republican, and that's the only reason why. And then you wonder why we have so much chaos and incompetency in our government. Well, that's why. The moment you stop voting for people based on their record and qualifications, I'm sorry, you are ignorant, and you get the government you deserve. So I'll leave you at this. There are two different Americas, and this is an ideology. This is fact-driven. If you want the vision of America to be the land of the, honor, the, land of the anarchy and the land of the chaos, then your choice is clear. Hey, I'm not going to stop you. Go into that ballot box, and you already made up your mind. Choose Biden and Harris, and go ahead. But mark my words, I tell you this, you'll be standing on the wrong side of history when generations to come will talk about this election of a lifetime. Or you can choose a president who has even went against his own base in putting America first, and yes, JFK did have a lot of uh, affairs, but one thing I respect about JFK is he was a country above party, and he stated that many times. It should be country above party, and that's why Trump is an existential threat, because he has put country above party first and foremost. And I'm going to say something, Robert, and anyone on this show who knows me knows that I was against Trump in 2016. I doubted him. I was skeptical against him. And not only that, I campaigned against him. I campaigned for Ted Cruz and, and, and John Kasich. And I had to see it to believe it. And it took a couple of years to actually see that Trump meant what he said and said what he meant, and he backed it up with his policies, and his policies were working. To where I had to humble myself and say, you know what, I got it wrong, but you know I'm man enough to man up and own it. And if I got it wrong, I'll, I'll call it right down the line. So for the love of God, let's start voting for people based on their record and their qualifications, not on whether they're conservative or Republican or progressive or Democrat. And with all due respect, Trump has earned the right for re-election. His record his fiscal platform, his social platform. He has eradicated ISIS. He has brought the greatest job numbers and, and, and the best numbers on the economy in modern history prior to, to COVID. And had he not implemented the China ban, which no one on the left will say, which Joe Biden called him a xenophobic for doing so in the early stages in January, had he not implemented the ban on China, I tell you something. This COVID-19 would be the equivalent of the Spanish flu. Had he not put the brakes on that. So that is... Even then, we didn't shut down the economy. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's all I have to say. Uh, thank you for allowing me to uh, opine, and I will give you back the, the floor, Robert, respectfully. Thank you. You're welcome. And, and Kelly's on the call, and he'll be uh, let me know when he's ready to uh, come back in. He's probably doing his uh, more.
more of his charity work. That guy he does a lot of charity work. Um, so let's go ahead and we'll bring it over to you, David, and then you um, actually, and then I do got that other article. I'm hoping to get in for the night. Um, you know, on, you know, so let's go on those topics. But go ahead, David. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, Joe hit the nail on the head. I mean, exactly. You know, I had my doubts with Trump, but you know what? Promises made, promises kept. And you know, him putting you know, putting more time on the China, that saved a lot of lives. You know, it saved us from another Spanish flu. Now, granted, the economy took a dive, but you know, because of what he what has been implemented, we're uh, you know, we're 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 holding on. You know, and that's good, but. Once I once I believe you know the, the right people get you know get into power, and we start putting truly parts putting America first, we'll build even a stronger economy. But you know Joe's right. We are voting our conscience now. How could anyone? And you know I talked to my friend. How could you vote for Joe Biden? This guy is absolutely pathetic in every way. He has not done anything. Same thing with Kamala. Kamala got ahead by sleeping around. You know, she says, "quote unquote, I'm a proud black, you know, proud black woman, and you know, you're Jamaican and Indian, and you know, you have a pension. I'm not not racial whatsoever. You have a pension for marrying and dating Jews. Can you explain that one? That's that's one thing I would throw at her. You say this, you know, and then what's worse, how just how horrible this person is because she's the most transactional. And Tucker Carlson got hit the nail on the head on that one. I was like, oh my god, that's exactly what I believe. The most transactional politician I've ever met." At least Obama stuck to his words. He'll take it to the far left. At least, Christ, Bernie Sanders stuck to his words, Democratic Socialist. Nah, this one goes with the flow, whatever you know, whatever can get her name up there. Case in point, when she was the AG, she put more black men in prison than any attorney general in the history and kept them in prison for free labor. Uh, Tulsi, even though I can't stand Tulsi, but God bless her for you know going with her conscience. By saying, screw this, I'm leaving the Democrats. I can't stand this. But she destroyed uh, Kamala. And I was, for once, I was proud of her. I was like, oh, my God, this woman's, this woman's right. But you know, back to what I'm saying is how could we – how could anyone vote for Joe Biden or Kamala Harris? I don't understand it. There's nothing appealing to them, and all this is is just you know identity politics, and that's how far the Democrats of yesteryear, Bill Clinton, Al Gore – to the Democrats of today, which are far leftists, have become. So you know, you know, my my vote will be for Trump, through and through. And you know, he's and Joe's right; he has earned re-election. And I really believe we're going to see a, we're going to see a surprise, and how and how much what uh, Stacey flips. And that's all I have to say on that. Well, I certainly hope so. I think there's a number of states that possibility. I know last week I was going to even bring him, maybe even. New Hampshire playing a part, and maybe I, I like playing with that 270 to win. Uh, dot com. They got a, an interactive where you can like make predictions and things of that nature. It's kind of fun. Um, but you, uh, the closest I had was like two. Uh, was actually a tie. Is actually the closest I came up with one time. But the other was like 268 to 272 or something like that. Um, but I haven't, I haven't played with it for a while. But it's kind of, it is kind of fun, you know. Kind of. And, but most of the ones I've I've tweaked. It does have them either coming out with a, a tie to close marcher and, and some. I've never had it where, well, there was one I think where Biden was winning, but I think that's, that's kind of changing. But uh, And well, Ben Carson, if we're talking about the ones who we, we initially 
support in 2016, Ben Carson was my guy. <laughs> I initially uh, supported him. Uh, and then actually when we talk about, you know, vice presidents, I, in 2012, I thought a Gingrich Rice, you know, Connelly's Rice ticket would have been phenomenal. Um, that's the ticket I was kind of hoping for in 2012. Uh, but then, and actually I was hoping Gingrich would have been, uh, you know, his VP. I mean, I didn't like Pence at first, but I've, I've grown to like him more. Um, you know, seeing what he's done with uh, NASA, the Artemis program, and then with, uh, you know, how he's done with you know, the coronavirus. I mean, he, I thought, nah, there's no way he's going to run in 2024. But, I mean, I don't know. After after this uh, after this year, he, he, he very well may. And I, I think he, he might have good, you know, showing. And then, um, now, now I, I don't, I don't, I can't say I hate, uh, you know, Tulsi Gabbard is part of her. I mean, you know, I kind of like her. It's part of her I like, part of her I don't, of course. I do like how she really stuck it to Kamala and, and Hillary. <laughs> really, well, that's why she had to go. She 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 poked a stick at Hillary, and that that's just not allowed in the Democrat Party. Right. She can't poke a stick at Hillary. Uh, uh, but anyway, so let's go ahead and uh, uh, Kelly, are you back on the line or? No. Okay, and we'll, we'll bring in um, you know, Angie. Go ahead with um, you know, two other callers. If you'd like to chime in, push the one to number dollars. Okay. Yeah. And I'll be, short, uh, yeah, but... I'll be, I'll, I'll be short and brief. Okay, so um, this is the most dire thing that we must do. We must think about the unborn child, and we must think about the transing of children. <laughs> the, the right now, what is on the agenda, the Democrats' agenda is to allow, if a little boy says he wants to be a girl, they will allow implants to put be put in that child by the pediatricians so that it will block that child's uh, hormones and they will block puberty. They are for transing of children. This is uh, an abomination. And the buck stops here. They're already taking abortion to a late term and, and killing babies as they come out of the womb. So now they want, the Supreme Court says that it's okay to have hormones to change your gender, but they're being quiet that they want to do this to the children. There should be a law that says you don't get to dump in this child these hormones that will change their gender, that child should be allowed to grow to go through puberty and get to age 21 and decide amongst themselves if they want this thing done. Why is it an urgency to stop a child from going through puberty? What, that's their God-given gender that they were born with. Let a boy be a boy and a girl be a boy. Stop trying to force this transitional, this trans thing on children because it's happening. People are adopting children so they can be able to dump in these implants and hormone, puberty blocking hormones. No one's talking about this. But this the children, That's the first effort of that. No one is talking about it. 
But well, this should be the forefront. Look, nobody wants to harm children. And that's why the other side, the Democrats, they're not talking about They're not going to bring it up. And I haven't heard any Republicans bring it up, except no, for I've Ted Cruz. Ted, Ted Cruz did bring it up. Because you know, you know he's happening. on the short list of being on the. You know he's on the short list of being nominated to be on the SCOTUS. Did you hear about that? Oh yes, I've seen him. Yeah, Trump put out a Trump, yeah, Trump put out a list of twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still I still like that one lady. Gosh, I can't remember her name. Oh, she's supposed to be really conservative. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's Amy something. Um, uh-huh. Uh, her I name is She's supposed to be real, yeah. real conservative. Johnson. Yeah, she was on the list um, with Kavanaugh too. She was on a short list. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So. yeah, so this is the thing. When people start talking about, okay, well, what's really <laughs> on the agenda? Um, what's really on the Democrats' agenda? It's attacking the children. And, yes, I call that an attack on children. Not only do you want to harm the unborn child, but you want to change their gender be, and, and block their puberty before they can even realize that, hey, you know, I like who I am. I like being a boy. I like being a girl. They're trying to change that child's destiny, God-given destiny. And they don't want to talk. They don't bring it up. No one's talking about it. But this is what pediatricians are allowed to do now. They are advising if a child is going through this gender therapy that they get on these hormones to block their puberty. And Ted Cruz had a case where there was a, a, a man whose son uh, was being uh, dumped on and trans and it's because the boy, little boy's mother was a pediatrician. She was dumping these um, puberty blocking implants in this child. And the judge stopped her. So these things are horror stories, but they're being done to the children. And this is who we need to think about. We need to put the children first. And if there's some things only a devil would do. And to kill children and to uh, force them into transitioning into different genders, that's, there's some things only the devil would do. And we have to call it out and publicize it. Or they're trying to get away with it. I can't go with a party or a president or a candidate that's going to allow the abuse of children in this matter. And as it stands, Joe Biden and Kamala, they're for this transing of children. They'll never talk about it because they know that's an issue that they'll surely lose. They will surely lose this election if this issue is brought up. Because you've got all, well, the, all the people who are trying to push this through the legislature and who's trying to get it to these little kids, push it on them. Wow. Now here's a, here's an article. Okay, hold on. Hold on a second. Here's an article. Not an article. There's a website. Now, I don't even know if I want to publicly give the, the name of the website. Okay. And uh, let's see. Let's see. I'm, I'm pulling this up. 
Mm-hmm. So it, 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 it's actually, it sounds like it's a pro-transgender. And, and now, in adults, I don't have a problem with adult transgender. I don't. Doing this to kids, yeah, that, that really gets my goat. Um, it yeah, says, yeah. Here we go. This, here, yeah, it says, un, it says under, um, and this is, this is definitely a, a transgender supporting website, so I'm not going to even do it. Again, I'm not against transgender, but I am against transgender and, and children. Um, it, says, under the, it says under the age of 16, the only medical treatment that is recommended for NHS for children, which I don't know what, I don't know what NHS is, um, struggling with issues of gender identity are puberty blockers. Uh, the drugs are used as a class of synthetic um, gonadotrophin-releasing hormone analogs. By, uh, by acting on the pituitary gland, these puberty blockers prevent the release of chemical signals which stimulate the production of estrogen and testosterone, halting the change of puberty caused by these sex hormones. Obtaining puberty blockers via VHS or NHS, I'm sorry, can only be done for children with gender issues by the Children's Gender Identity Development Service. The main clinic in London, well, this is in London, so this must be something in, you know, not in the United States. And, again, I just, I just oh, dinged it. And just uh, but, I mean, it's real. I mean, this is actually real. But, like, uh, I was like. Well, actually, the Black Lives Matter, they're from London, too. The origin of BLM is out of the U.K. These things are here. The transing of children are here, and it's all a part of when you get a, a young person acting so irrational that he or she cannot control their emotions. They're out burning up things and doing this, and, and the, they're against the peaceful protesters even. So when you get somebody that that's unemotional, they're on some type of hormones, and you have a lot of these trans kids that are out there. They are out there, and they're doing things that because they can't control their emotions, because why? These puberty-blocking hormones have been dumped in them from an early age. So this is what we're Robert? seeing. Yeah, go ahead, um, go ahead, Joseph. Well, when Angie is done with it, can I just uh, say something very important? You can oh, yeah, say no, certainly. No, go, go ahead. Go ahead now, Joseph. And then I'm going to get to that other article because I, I want to get uh, at least the last one out. Go ahead. Okay. So this this is where I stand. Um, why has this issue not been raised? Mm-hmm. Did everyone just forget that COVID-19 toppled the world? Let me tell you something. Let me give you a reality of why November is so important. Now, now, granted, I'm a, I'm a very tolerant person. Hey, your social beliefs are your social beliefs. But if we tank as an economy, you have to say goodbye to everything. Our whole system, our whole structure, our whole government, it collapses. It's all over. It's finito. You won't even be having a conversation about pro-life or pro-choice. And let me tell you something. Yes, the children are vulnerable. You know what they're vulnerable to? Being evicted and going into the streets going hungry, going without shelter, going without clothing, going without a roof over their head. That's why people are not talking about it. They're talking about the most, the elephant in the room, which is COVID-19, which is killing, destroying families, 
parents, businesses, their livelihoods. The sad reality is in this world, God, money is almost on the same level as God. And I say on this earth. And let me tell you something. More people will die because of COVID-19 destroying the economy and people having to be thrown into the streets, uh, uh, losing the, having their mortgages foreclosed on, ha- being evicted. How long do you think they're going to keep the moratorium on that? And think about it this way. Yes, although they may have a moratorium on evictions and mortgages, by the time they lift that, people are going to be four, five, six months in, in the hole in debt. And, and, the, and the landlords and the, or the mor- or, uh, mortgage companies are going to expect their payments right away. How do you dig yourself out of that hole? So believe me, yeah, we could have a debate about the social issues, but if we don't get our fiscal house in order, it's economics. The whole system collapsed. Look what happened to Greece. They are an example, but that's not an example to follow. After 40 years of socialism and no way of paying for it, the well ran dry. People, on the day when their economy tanked, they went to go to their ATMs. Nothing was in anyone's bank account. It was chaos. And no, Germany and Angela Merkel did not bail out uh, Greece uh, because they were compassionate. They did it because they knew if any more countries toppled, and at the time, Italy was on the brink of uh, going bankrupt. It would create the domino effect that would come back to bite Germany's economy. So, ladies and gentlemen, you know who's vulnerable? Every single American right now that doesn't have a job or is on the verge of being evicted, or on the verge of losing their home, or on the verge of their business, everything they work for never opening up again, they are the true victims. And if we don't make the right vote, ladies and gentlemen, if we don't focus on the real elephant in the room, I'm going to tell you something. If this economy tanks, goodbye on all the social issues. It all goes down like the London Bridge. It all falls down. It's over. It's finito. So what is the real focus on? Sometimes I'm confused. You can't have your cake and eat it. You can't say that COVID-19 is destroying people's livelihoods But at the same time, I'm going to put an emphasis on pro-life or pro-choice or whatever the social issue may be. Once again, once we get our house in order, hey, I'm up for the debate. We could have a four-hour show on it. But right now, you know what my worry is about? I wake up every day worrying if I'm going to be able to make it. Did God give me another day to live, another day to live, another day to survive? I wake up every day in fear of wondering, am I going to be able to continue to pay rent? Am I going to be able to have a roof over my head? You know, I went to Walmart yesterday, Robert, and as I'm passing by Walmart, I see this woman, she looked like she was 18 or 19, homeless, sitting on the sidewalk, crying, crying, and my heart just broke. And I've seen this in Hawaii. I've seen this in New York, because, you know, I've recently been back to New York back in February. And then in, in July, and it just broke my heart. Now, if a person is hungry, are you going to walk up to that person and say, I'll pray for you? Do you think that prayer is going to help them? Is that going to quench their, their hunger? Or would it help to say, you know what, can I buy you something to eat? Because at the end of the day, some people get so stuck to their ideology 
they lose touch of reality. Although playing may be nice, if you're truly trying to help someone, you got to be a good listener and listen to what they need and not impose what you think they need. To the person who's hungry, yes, I'm a spiritual person, but I don't like to bring it up because I don't like to mix politics with religion. But I'd be the first one to say, you know what, I'm not going to pray for you. I'm going to give you what you need. And I've done that before where I've literally took $5 out of my pocket, went across the street, bought something, brought it to the person and says, you're hungry. What you need right now is food in your stomach. I'm a man of action. That's how I was raised to be, a religious man of action. But at the same time, why I don't like to bring religion is because I don't like to impose my beliefs upon other people. I'm a tolerant individual. My mother raised me to be that way. And every time you open the door to religion, it never really ends well because you deal with tolerance, but you deal more with intolerance. And it's like, It's okay really? to silently pray, though. Hold, you can silently on. pray and give them the money. So I'll just leave it at this, Robert, because I want to give everyone else their, their, their time to talk. This will be the last thing I'll say until closing comments. Ladies and gentlemen, Whatever your social platform is, if we do not get our fiscal house in order, you can kiss your social platforms goodbye. If we tank, if our economy goes down, it is the point of no return. And that is what on the ballot is in November. Yes, not only do I worry for children, Robert, I worry for every single human being on this planet right now who is a victim of COVID-19, who is a victim of a collapse of the global economy, who people, some people who are not even fortunate as us. You've got some people right now who are in shelters, who are in the streets trying to figure out, scared out of their life, scared out of their wits with their kids. So if we're really going to have a conversation about the kids, really? What is more problematic what what endangers them more well, conversion therapy or oh, oh, conversion therapy mm-hmm. or is my child going to go hungry tonight is my child going to go hungry a second night is my child going to go hungry a third night a fourth night a fifth night is my child and my wife going to get assaulted by another homeless person on the streets mm-hmm. yeah that's what that's who mm-hmm. i put first i put the people first that are struggling out there I, 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 and that's what has to come first, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm telling you, we have all the time in the world to debate social okay. policies. But if we well, don't address the real... Oh, 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 don't, don't talk over people. I don't like that. Go ahead. If we don't address the real elephant in the room, I'm telling you something. After November, reality is going to slap you on the side of the head. Because, and I'll leave you with this last thing, I promise. One thing that I've noticed on this show by different people that call in, and that's how I know they're out of touch of reality. They make statements that are so illogical. You know why? Because the shoe's not on their foot. They're not homeless. They're not about to get evicted. Their mortgages are not about to be foreclosed upon. They're, not, they're in a comfortable position. So it's so easy to say, Hey, you know what? You know, the, the, the struggles of the American people, that's not important. The social policies are first. Sure, you could say that because your belly is full. You have a nice warm bed to go into. That's how I know you're out of touch with reality. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm just talking about in general. Right. 
But try having the shoe on the other foot, and I guarantee you, you won't even have a cell phone to call in this show and say so. And I respectfully will leave that as my final comments, except for maybe one minute of closing, and I defer back to you, Robert. Thank you. Okay. And it's about, it's about in the hour. And, uh, Can I, I comment to... one time? Real, 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 real quick, I don't want to spend a lot of time with this, okay. but I don't want to get real this quick. other article well. Real quick, uh, prayer is for everyone. And it can come with money or come without money. And Jesus Christ was born into this world homeless. So he's teaching us that it's not all the time that money and food for the person's soul is what they need. We always should pray. We could pray silently and never force it upon somebody. You can always feed someone who can't give you money back. But you should always, always Never forget and never stop praying for one another because this country, this country, not Iran, not India, this country was founded on the principles of Jesus the Christ, and we all need prayer because with God, all things are possible. And, yes, you can feed someone and pray for them too, and never let us forget that. And and let's get – yeah, we'll get – again, we're, we're kind of getting low on time, and, I, and you pointed out uh, – if I do like to do, you know, give everybody about a minute for final comments for the show. And I tell you what, it's uh, – I've been doing this for eight years, and I've – you know, I mean, just 2020 has just been a crazy year. I mean, and, and it being an election year even just adds to it. I mean, well, I'm going to get to the article. I was going to tell you my, my thing. And, well, uh, you know what, one real, real quick thing is, I mean, I, I get you. I mean, I'm one of those people, fortunately, and I feel real fortunate that, if, you know, every, every, well, everyone in my house is working. I mean, my, my daughter's not going to spend four days to help thing creep up again. But um, but there was a time where all three, you know, all three of us were, were working. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not worried too much. You know, I'm actually, it's terrible to say, but I, I'm, my biggest worry right now is paying for my daughter's college, which I know, you know, is, is compared to what other people's worries are. It's, it's, it's definitely not the same. Um, so, I mean, so I get it without actually experiencing it. I mean, I'm, you know, I feel for people who that, that, who that's happening to, and I know it's happening to a lot of folks. And whereas, you know, I know I'm not experiencing it, so I can't really speak to it. Um, you know, cause I mean, I, I'm one of those people who I'm, I'm not really worried about, funds and stuff right now except again you know <laughs> pay for her college which is a, a, when you talk about it being compared to people eating i mean it's not it's definitely not the same so i definitely you know feel fortunate enough that you know i got myself a position to do that but um yeah but i wouldn't i wouldn't you know say i could i mean i'll be honest I, I can't even say i can imagine what someone who is in that position feels like i mean i know i would be i know i'd be very frustrated you know about it um and if that were me, but um, but anyway, let's. I'm going to go ahead and say this is, of course, you've heard a lot in the news about you know Trump saying, oh, you know, supposedly saying that you know people, you know, who were killed in uh, in, in combat, you know, like especially I think they're referring to World War One, were you know losers and or something else. But um, it says uh, this article, and this again, you, this is from the American Thinker. Again, you can find these articles and more on the Bard's Logic newsroom at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. I get to the newsroom page, and uh, you'll get the different articles. Now, you can subscribe to it, so you can get every week uh, to know it. So definitely check it out, uh, subscribe to it. Uh, and then you, well, that means you're just going to get 
once a week. So you're not going to get inundated with with emails. You're just going to get once a week. You're going to get an email showing what uh, you know that is. And that's going to give you a good idea of a way of what the you know at least uh, at least part of the the show is going to be about. So anyway, it says uh, evidence. This is September 5th. Evidence piles up that the phony Atlantic story about Trump and Troop was a slime job to boost Biden. So to get a sense of how low the Biden campaign is going to go in its quest to oust President Trump, the Atlantic hit job from Thursday is a pretty good indicator. The evidence is piling up that the easily refutable anonymously sourced so-called story claiming President Trump disparaged veteran wasn't really an Atlantic story at all. It was a coordinated hit job involving the press, Democratic operatives, and associated left, leftist groups connected to the military executed with impeccable timing. The Atlantic is building a name for itself for its uncorrected false stories, and this one is no different. First, Jeffrey Goldberg's Atlanta story came out Thursday claiming that four anonymous sources had told him that Trump, on a visit to France a few years ago, like people recall a a conversation from a few years ago, right, didn't want to go to a U.S. military cemetery to honor, uh, honor fallen U.S. troops because they were all, quote, losers and suckers. It was raining, see, and he didn't want to get his hair messed up. That's what they're saying. This is solid shit. Well, he didn't say that. He said crap. Uh, the official email records exposed at the time when the media tried to make slap about it even then showed that it was indeed bad weather that prevented the trip. Though the motive, though, was to distract attention from both. Yes, why didn't they make a big hoopla back two years ago? Uh, distract Joe Biden's actual bad record with the military. Andrea Wilburn has an excellent must-read analysis here, and it gives you a link to that. It says it comes against the border picture of the Democrats seeking to divide and disloyalize the military with all their coup talk. Seeing this starting line analysis calls the coming coup by Michael Anton writing in the American Mind. And again, this article even gives you links to others that you can read uh, for more detail. It said the Atlantic's lie was derived from an overheated exchange that Trump had with John McCain. Hmm, John McCain. A man he hated for many reasons in 2016. Trump official, uh, Trump official after Trump official, including fired former NSC advisor John Bolton, who now has an acrimonious relationship with Trump, says they didn't hear what Goldberg claims was said, or more strongly, adamantly says it never happened. They are going on the record with their own names, and they are unequivocally about it. The first lady, Melania Trump, who rarely speaks about political matters, also says she was there and it never happened. But, okay, it's his wife. I mean, I really don't – I mean, not against Melania, but I don't think that that's really a good (laughs) – yeah, I just don't – I'm sorry. When wives – you know, it's great that they stand up for their husbands, but that doesn't – I mean, Melania, not Ivanka. Um, So when a a person, you know, defends their spouse, I – I take what they say to grain of salt because you think yeah, you're going to support your spouse. But but for the here, here's the one that takes the cake for me. John Bolton wrote that that smear that smear book against Trump. Even he said, nah, it didn't happen. So if Bolton is saying it didn't happen, I mean, come on, guys. Um, 
This is not too long after the Mendacrius report, an ad from a leftist veterans group, Vote Vets, bounced out featuring six interviews with outraged family members of fallen soldiers. My son was not a loser, they said. Vote Vet claims they had no idea that the Atlantic story was coming out, and there were just busy beavers who stayed up all night to get the interviews, write the slick script to ad length, edit the interviews, string the interviews together, get the sound and photography edited, put the graphics in, and get finished product out not just on the web but in the hands of the morning television networks such as Joe Score Rules, MSNBC's Morning Joe, to ensure they could run the ad and wax their outrage. Says, and then he gives some of, uh, some of the examples. And let's see. So, yeah, so you could go on, but, you know, again, it's a longer article. Go to the website to, to read all of it. But, you know, I mean, so seriously, the biggest point that I've got coming away from there, you know, and you can you know, definitely read more about it, gives more background. But Bolton, I mean, it's going to come out like, nah, that ain't going to happen, plus the other people who are there. Again, as I said earlier in the show when I first introduced this, is that they're going to try to separate Trump from his blocks of supporters. Um, you know what I'm wondering now? First, they, they said they're trying the military. They've tried conservatives. You know, they've, they're, they're trying it against, you know, the, what they call the protection moms or whatever. Um, I wonder what they're going to try to do. And I'm not trying to open up a can of worms here. Okay, and I, I'm not seeing a big debate on this, but I'm wondering how they're going to try to get the evangelicals away from Trump, because they're going to try them somehow. I just don't know how they're going to try it, um, because that's a big, you know, a big chunk too. Uh, but anyway, I do see we got uh, only about uh, let's see, uh, 13 minutes left um, of the show, and so and I usually have to keep the last couple of minutes. You know, for for closing comments, and so that yeah, that only leaves us about about ten minutes left, and so uh, you know, let's uh, check in on Kelly. Kelly, you still out there? Okay, I know he had to again. He had to be on a call. I don't know, but he's also working with Watch the Vote and check them out at www.watchthevoteusa.com. So he might be working on something with that. Uh, they're of course trying to monitor the vote. Keep up with. I mean, first it was the electronic voting machines we we're worried about. Now we got to worry about the, um, you know, this mail-in ballot stuff that we talked about earlier. Now I did have uh, a friend of mine, who's actually uh, the the county, the county head of the Republican Party of the campaign, Trump campaign here in my area for the, the head of the county campaign, and his suggestion was actually to vote absentee ballot. But instead of mailing in your vote, your absentee ballot, is to actually uh, go to your area of uh, election headquarters or whatever and actually physically mail it uh, or physically put it in the box they have. And because then, yeah. because then he said you could actually go online, uh, you could actually go online to check it out to make sure that your, your your vote was you know been counted. Maybe not what you actually voted counted. I'll have to ask you more about that. But that's what he's discussing is the absentee, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absentee ballot, and then actually and actually hand it in. Because what his concerns are is that you know because of the coronavirus that they're going to try to uh, actually shut down the poll polling places early. So you're going to get all those you know conservative people who are actually working out there, 
not be able to make it to the polls because the different governments decided that they're going to close the polls down early for whatever reason, keeping all those late voters. Because in, in Republicans, you know, historically vote late, and not just as late in, in, in you know in the the process. They don't do a lot of early vote voting, but they vote late during the day, you know, because they get up, they go to work, and then they're like, oh, crap. And this has happened to me on a few occasions. I'm like, oh, man, i got to hurry up and get out and vote, you know. So, But now, I, I mean, I learned my lesson, and now I take a vacation. I usually take a vacation day <laughs> when it, if I can, you know. Okay, now this one, mm-hmm. this coming this coming election, uh, I actually took the whole week off for the election this, this year. So I figured I'm either going to need it uh, – uh, celebrating, or I'm going to need it drowning my sorrows, and and, and to, to see all some of the, my liberal compatriots at, at my employment, which I uh, let, let them, I hope you're right. Uh, I hope you're right, David, that we're going to see you know a bigger turnout, and a bigger victory for Trump than what even I'm anticipating. I, I mean, I, I I think it's going to be close, and my, my concern is, is 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 it's going to be where it's going to this. Be be like 2000, but even worse, you know. And I've got people. I mean, I've talked to people just this weekend. Who they're, they're preparing for a civil war. That's all I'm going to say on that. But uh, I, I feel fortunate that I know people who are going to be uh, be prepared. So, but whoever gets a background noise, please mute your mic. Okay, I'm going to have to start muting mics, and I don't have to, I don't like to have to do that. Okay, can someone contain that. Hello. Yep. I'm sorry. That was. Uh, and, nope. That's still going on. I got to find it myself then. Hello. Well, yeah. Hello, it sounded like, but no, I think that uh, sounds like that might have been David. So, David, I had to mute your yeah. mic. I will bring you in for uh, opening comments. There was some background noise going on there. I will get you back in for closing com- not opening closing comments. It just there was some noise and definitely a distraction. That, that that's one reason I don't like people talking over other people uh, because it's a distraction. And and uh, yeah, I've been walking. I've been watching uh, you know, political shows and stuff and listening to talk radio again for about mm-hmm. forty years now. And one of my pet peeves is when people talk over other people drives me nuts. I hate to mute people's mics. I feel like it's you know, kind of disrespectful, but sometimes I have to do it, and, and I do that. I, I have done it, right, Joseph? Uh, the folks who, you know, <laughs> like, let the other people talk. I hate to have to do it. I, I warn them a bunch of times, but then finally All I the do time. it. Um, All the time. Just call on Angie. Yeah. When you call Angie, I'll start talking, but you keep calling out Kelly, and Kelly never answers. So, Well, I'm, I've been trying to get Kelly in, and uh, Kelly's, you know, as I said, he's well, Kelly's one of our regular panelists. Sometimes I defer to oh, them, no. you know, because especially when I'm trying to bring him in. Um, and I, I try to make it as equal as I can. I'm, 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 to be honest, I'm probably rarely successful. Some people talk more than yeah. some people talk more than others. Um, but again, I mean, if it's people who are you know not interrupting other people while they're talking, I, I definitely yeah. try to get them in. And then folks who chime in and and talk over other people, it's like. I, I don't like that, and that, that's we'll bring other people in. So I do see we got about uh, yeah. I, mean, I gotta shut things down. Uh, see, it's I heard Trump now. say something. Uh, yeah, I heard Trump well, say pretty, something. I'm, and I'm getting ready. To, well, 
I'm getting ready to do our closing comments because we do got about six minutes. So I want to give everybody about a minute and a half. So we've got, um, you know, we've got three people on the line. That's, that's give people enough time. And so I'll go ahead and give it over to yourself. Get about a minute and a half for closing comments of tonight's show. Uh, we do thank everyone for, for you know, coming tonight. We'll hope to see you again next week. And then I'll bring in yourself in, um, Angie, and then we'll go with uh, you, Joseph, and then we'll see if we got the background noise with David gone. And then if Kelly pops in, which at this point I don't know if he will, then I'll close things out myself. We do have other callers on. If you'd like to just make closing comments, push the one on your number down, I'll do my best to get you in. Uh, but go ahead uh, with the closing comments for this evening, Angie. Go ahead. Okay. Closing comments. Um, yeah, we need to – um, be respectful and not force our religion on people, but we can't allow a child's soul to be killed either um, because we're already allowing millions of babies to be killed who are don't even get a chance to be born. And secondly, um, I did hear President Trump talk about that incident at the cemetery. He said he, in fact, went to two cemeteries pouring down rain, the first cemetery, they weren't able to land, but the second cemetery, he did go out and he gave a speech. He did speak, and he didn't say uh, losers and suckers like it was reported. So um, whomever reported that in the Atlantic, they left out the second cemetery for some reason. I don't know why, but they didn't report that he did actually go to the second cemetery and he got a speech in. And thirdly, what I'd like to say about um, the social issues about what's going on in America, the pandemic and everything, um, we must get it right with God and do the right thing as opposed to doing the wrong thing and letting this nation go to pot. So if we're killing children and if we're not being right by the innocent, then we don't have a chance. And if we're allowing people to get into the legislature that don't care about the abuse of children, that do not care about what's going on with the transient of children, that do not care about the unborn child, that do not care about what our children are being taught in the schools and indoctrinated, then we do not have to allow those people to run this nation. We are a blessed nation for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, and let's have the, so, you know, I, I, I'm on board with the indoctrination, but we do, I do got to bring it over to, to the evidence of time. Uh, to, to the other folks. Uh, thank you very much. I certainly would like to, and I loved all your input that you had with the, the post office and everything. It's, you know, it's, it's great information that you know, definitely share the link. I really think it's important that the information you shared with the, the post office, you know, is, 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 again, you don't hear it all over the place. You don't hear it anywhere, really. Mm-hmm. But I think it is important for people to, to, to get that. And, we'll, you know, we'll definitely, you know, talk again and, you know, have you on the other show for some other topics. Uh, but, yeah, thank you very much for that information, especially with the post office. Let's go ahead and bring it uh, over to you, Joseph, and then we'll see if, uh, if David's got that. Um, we, no, no trolls tonight, so it makes me wonder where those trolls came from last week. I've got a couple theories, but uh, but anyway, Joseph, go ahead. Actions speak louder than words. 
Before COVID-19, I was on the top of the mountain. I was making a lot of money at my job. I was sending financial assistance to my mom, my dad, my niece, my nephew, the children, the people who I care the most about and helping them out. I was financially supporting my ex-fiance. And then COVID-19 happened and the rug was ripped right, 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 right before my eyes. The unexpected. I went from making money to providing for the people I love, including children, my niece and my nephew, to not knowing if I was going to have food or how I was going to pay the rent the next month. So I'm only going to say it one more time, ladies and gentlemen. We got one shot and one shot to get it right. November, Trump and Pence is on the ticket. And if we don't get it right, you can kiss this country goodbye and you could kiss all the social issues goodbye because the number one priority for me right now is survival. I got to wake up every day and see, am I going to have enough money to eat? Am I going to have enough money to pay my rent? Am I going to have enough money to live to fight another day? And sure, I believe in social issues, but right now priorities come first and priorities is food Shelter, clothing. And I'll leave it at that, Robert. It's always an honor, privilege, and pleasure to be on your show. Look forward to being on next week. Take care. Thank you. You too. Uh, looking forward to it. Let's go ahead and see if we could get uh, some closing comments from David. David, are you there? Yeah, um, that wasn't me. I'm in a silent room. Well, when I'm, I, I muted different people's mics, and when I muted yours, that's when the, the noise stops. So maybe you're hacked. Someone's hacking you because they don't want to hear you speak. Maybe it's um, NSA Bob. Remember him, uh, Joseph? <laughs> I remember him, yeah. <laughs> NSA Bob. But go, go ahead, uh, David. Uh, no, Joseph's right. You know, this we have to get this one right. Trump, Pence, 2020. Because we have to get this country back. You know, social issues are taking a back burn. You know, we always – they say in prison, and we also say in the Marine Corps, oh, you don't like the food? Don't worry. You'll get hungry. And you will, you do get hungry, and people are hungry. They're hungry, you know, metaf- uh, literally and figuratively. You know how people are losing their houses and everything else, and what the other side provides is nothing. You know, at least you know with you know Trump and Pence, promises made, promises kept, and laying out his second term agenda was absolutely astonishing. I was like, wow, that's my president right there. But uh, again, Robert, it's a it was a pleasure coming back. It's been more than a year. I promise I'll be on uh, more often if I can. But uh, uh, well, hopefully I, you are. Gosh, it's been a year already. I'm flying by. Yes, sir. Well, now, thank you everyone for you know. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you everyone for coming to the show. Look forward. You're of course all welcome uh, next week. Also welcome to bring folks as well. Uh, and so. We'll, we'll see what the the next week uh, the next week brings, and hopefully what's you know better than than this one. But you know we're gonna have the debates coming up soon. You know those will be interesting to have. We'll certainly be talking uh, and doing analysis. Those I really think uh, once those debates uh, happen, I think it's that's really gonna crack some things wide open. I really do. It's about I mean, people are really gonna start paying attention then and. Uh, 
Um, I think they're paying more attention than they used to, you know, because of the whole COVID thing. But I think they're, uh, you know, that, that's usually when, at least historically, they, they do it. But we'll see. But anyway, I will end tonight, as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. She's not any uh, doing music any longer. She's doing art, which hopefully one day I'll – uh, be able to get one of those paintings, but as you guys pointed out, that's not really the big thing now. So thank you, everyone. Take care, and we will see you next week. Uh, have a good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.